when I was a little bit younger, I was meditating a lot and it, it for sure helped me. But in one way, this kind of meditation, if it goes too far, you know, it, uh, can sort of lose grip with reality. Mm-hmm, I think it's, it, I think it's like, uh, you know, you, the best, the most spiritual thing I can do is like being out in the, in the world, you know, in the forests and, those untouched places is what I seek here in Sweden. We have a lot of it actually still. So this in-dust tree hasn't really reached <laughs> all the forests here. Can you see you're making dust of the fucking trees with this industry in this? <laughs> and it's just, but of course, this meditation uh, led me to certain paths, but. I think it's also a spiritual thing with the music and acoustic instruments also. It's a, acoustic especially. It's just it's just a but in the mythos, the mythology, this uh, spirit, this word spirit in Swedish called ande. And uh, to breathe is andas, you know, so it has something to do with the breath and and uh, inside of that. So it's a uh, it's not so so uh, so supernatural, but also the heathen people they lived according to powers, uh, and it's cosmological powers, I would say, uh, pretty much with the Odin, and you have the represented, uh, you know, people were representing those forces in one way with the different functions. But you can save this; <laughs> it would. But uh, I would say my spirituality. I don't know. I. I live pretty much in the 15-1600s in my head, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm more about, I don't know, I guess I get so much spiritual exercise, uh, I think, just by, you know, enjoying things that, mu- like music and listen to podcasts is also like, I just love laying here on this couch. I was listening to your last show there with this, oh, with this guy. Uh, what's Tommy Chong? Yeah, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this was such a such a good. Uh, almost listened to the entire show. There, it just it's a long us. one. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice one. I mean, and he, uh, you know, <laughs> isn't he in like in the seventies show also? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I love the show. <laughs> so so good. man. Hey, man. <laughs> you got any more of those uh, doomies, man? And I am the homie Romy. How art thou today, sir? Art thou is great. Oh, I love that. The doing. The is the is buzzing like a bee, 
for the most part. Like a busy. Like a bee, like a busy bee. And like the other beezy. part of me, and the other, no. Yeah, hoe ass. I, I ain't no busy little hoe ass hoe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a very serious show. We shouldn't be talking like this. All right, yeah. Straighten up. Act right. Okay. Um, Get that damn yes. smirk off your face. I shall never smile again. I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me for thinking I could do such? I don't know. So what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, just got back from Manifest. Yeah. Yeah, it was really great. It was a a what I guess we could call in the in the category of Freedom Fest which yeah. are kind of like bushcraft gatherings and kind of like conferences uh, where they have a blend of camps, camping set up, and then they bring in a bunch of cool speakers like Matt Landman, Tim James, Bob Snee, um, and these humans come and talk, and then other people come and present different survival skill stuff and it's just it's quite i mean i've honestly literally never been to an event like it before and uh i I, i'm addicted already like it was really fun yeah that's awesome man yeah yeah and and you know what you actually told me about it you son of a bitch so thank you so much (laughs) yeah i saw i don't know even know where i saw it you know uh i think it was from either a, a podcast or from instagram stuff people post or whatnot so uh, yeah I'm, stuff. I'm glad you got to go man i'm jealous that i didn't get to go but uh we did do, have a little conversation while you're out there and we'll be posting that in our first fireball episode coming out soon Ooh. yeah a l- little, little extra so we're gonna be doing <laughs> these fireball episodes y'all <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why it sounded like I'm country, but y'all explain to the people what is a fireball episode as opposed to a just regular episode. It's just going to be me and Roman most of the time chit chatting or, you know, if we go to these special events, maybe doing some chats about that, some topics that we heard and some stuff that we want to express that we don't get to in a normal every uh week type show that we do with our interviews and such it's just me and roman kind of reminiscing and bullshitting and then having like maybe somebody else on here reminiscing and bullshitting with us uh maybe one of uh our fans or listeners or whatever or maybe we just kind of do a review of the show that we just did and give some more insight or talk about what we thought about it and you know just do stuff like that a little bit extra stuff because we don't really get to talk too much uh i mean we talk a lot during the intros but after that we were pretty quiet <laughs> so it just gives us a little bit more showtime basically showtime yeah plus you can you can copy me a lot more too copy <laughs> <laughs> So much more, like with fireball episodes, I'll probably, <laughs> motherfucker, I'll probably do it like, like, like seven times more than I would if, if if it's a regular episode. So, you know, you guys can 
can catch that, which has got to be exciting. I know you guys yeah. love it. They're going to be a little bit more uncut, too. I'm going to be doing very minimal edits to it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time editing. It's just mostly going to be summaries of conversations, basically. Or like what we what's on our mind at the time and that we want to have the fireball episode. Maybe we want to talk about something to do with politics or something to do with something we read, an article that we saw that doesn't necessarily fit in with our normal shows. Yeah. So I he 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 Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell. L. Yeah, speaking of it, speaking of <laughs> this today's whoa, today's episode has is Hell Atlantis. Some sagas of the Bach. Yeah. It's got a lot of stuff, man. We got some Noah's Ark. We got Paradise. Hell. Ragnaroks. Thor. Midgard Serpent, all kinds of goodies in this episode, huh? Yeah, so yeah, little... no, it was, it was really cool, and I love talking to people in other countries. Yeah, I know it's yeah. fun. It is. I love listening to their accents. I it's it, it's just as entertaining as as talking to them. You know, you just like you just keep asking questions just so you can hear their sweet voice. You're just like, yeah. Wait, say that again. Can you repeat all of that starting from the beginning of the first question we asked you an hour ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, for real. Uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. It was a nice little Sunday morning chit chat, you know, nothing too heavy, but interesting. If you've never heard Box Auger before, it might be a little heavy for you to get down, but. Uh, I said it's pretty fun. I, I'm looking forward to doing more shows with him and kind of really getting into it. Once people understand what the box saga is and know what it is, then we can start busting into like the connections to the other religions and what we think stuff means. Like I just was thinking about Poland today because I was looking at a map and I saw Poland up in the northwest. And uh, when we were talking to Navier, she said that her family is from Poland. And uh, it made me think of what Poland could be. And it's the pole land. That's obvious, right? The pole land. The land okay. of the fucking pole. The la- but, but does it significantly mean the magnetic poles? Or is it... it I don't means- know, but it's in the north, you know? And it's not really that far from, like, where Helsinki is. It's right off, right off the... Uh, so side of that on, on so, the European continent. Something we haven't dug into, which would be interesting, would be to kind of navigate exactly where the main northern pole would be before the yeah. shit, right? And so in this and the box saga paradigm, it's seemingly so that the north pole vortex and you know torpedo hole or whatever it's Helsinki and it's, it's that, you know, that area of where now, so just to remind people in case they just don't know right offhand where Helsinki is, it's, you know, it's up by Norway and Sweden and that area of Northern Europe, right? Yeah. Finland, uh, where the Baltic sea is, 
and I think Poland shares a coastline with the Baltic Sea, so it's it's very close in proximity. So if you put Helsinki right up at the top of the where the North Pole would be, if everything was perpendicular, then Pole Land would be the land right below the pole. So that's quite interesting. I'm looking up on a map. Just I kind of got to see just um, this water area. That would make Antarctica oh, oh, not shit. part of the pole, not part of the South Pole. And Australia would kind of be over near the pole. I mean, maybe Antarctica would still be. There. Yeah, we should look at a map and see if we can figure out. If you move it 23 degrees back the other way, where everything's at, it'd be really interesting to see a map like that. I don't, I don't know that there is one. Yeah, I think, I mean, ooh, it's tough. It's hard to tell. We got to go to Greenland. I think we'll get a lot of answers if we go to northern Greenland. Possibly. Yeah, there, you, they say there used to be a, an, a land called Doggerland that, some people say is like a underwater lost continent continent or something like that, or lost Island. An anomaly of sorts. And there's also high Brazil, which is out by uh, England. Uh, supposedly it's like this mysterious continent that you can find on a map, but when you go there, it doesn't exist. Did You're you like, ever watch Oh, sorry. Go, 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 go. Yeah, it like comes and goes out of existence. It's like a mythical, mis- mystic oh, land. Oh, shit. I'm, no, I've never heard of that. That's incredibly intriguing. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. So we should maybe consider doing an episode on all of the supposed missing lands that have stories. Yeah, that'd be right? great, because- dude. It might be real or there might be symbolism. Yeah, because there's like Zealandia, there's Lumeria, there's Doggerland, there's a, uh, I can't remember what else, but I'm sure there's a whole bunch of them in the Pacific near Hawaii. Yeah, and... well, the entire Aleutian chain is underwater, but I don't yeah. know. I've never heard any stories about it, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Hey, real quick, bro. Yo, so, bro. did you ever? Yo, bro. Did you ever watch Vikings? The show Vikings. Yeah. There's that like Loki when they go to Iceland. Floki. Floki. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Floki. When Floki it wants to separate and travel to Iceland. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just and then he disappears, and then year on like few seasons later, they find him in the states. Oh, do they? Yeah, they like find him in the states. Like, they travel. What states? The states, American states. Like, so, like in, I can't remember what season it is. It's it's got to be like one of the final seasons. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I watched till about season six, and then I think there was one or two more seasons after that, and I haven't finished watching them yet. Oh, I think it's season six one and season six two. Okay. Uh, so it's just like season six is a two-parter, I think. So, uh. but or there might—I don't know if there was season seven, but either way, um, what I was getting at is, you know, the Floki ends up in the states. So he went to Iceland to start that community. There's a bunch of drama and havoc. Yeah. 
Um, and then he and he flees, and every, and he was gone for a while. And I was just like, "Where the fuck did Floki go? Why, you know, he was the best." And I thought, because you know, my conspiratorial mind straight goes to, you know, predictive programming and stuff. Even though the show had basically no predictive programming, strictly entertainment. But I thought he had like gone into a vortex or something. Like he found they were supposed to. I thought they were saying like like Floki just walked off one day, but really he found, you know, like this, this old uh, energy vortex. Cause they were so North, they were way more Northern than Norway. And they're right outside of Greenland. And, and I mean, Greenland is, I mean, almost technically the, uh, like the Antarctica of the Northern pole. Right. Yeah, I think they say Iceland is actually a lot smaller than it used to be also. Oh, so a lot of it. So it's probably connected underwater yeah, uh, i think they believe that iceland was actually connected to greenland and like uh the netherlands that in so that that's inter- that's interesting because you know looking when just, you look at the map yeah, uh, i just read they, an article about it the other day actually huh well it's interesting because you know like we, we always talk. And so the other day at this, um, at the manifest, we, uh, me and Dean, Dean and I from, uh, up is down podcast, which mm-hmm. you talked to him. We were sitting at the fire and we kept asking people and we were going deep, man. Like we went deep. We were just talking about a bunch of crazy shit. And, uh, you know, we kept asking people that would come up to the fire, just, what they thought of the poles, what they thought the use of the northern and southern um, magnetic poles are. Uh, if they had any significance, why are they so heavily guarded? Why do we know so little about them? Mm. Uh, why uh, are there myths made up about them to kind of lead this fairy tale existence that it basically is nothing more than a fairy tale? Um, or, you know, Santa Claus can fly maybe because you know, the use of electromagnetic energy, are they harvesting electromagnet? You know what I mean? This we're asking people. And, um, you know, it's just interesting because there's, there's such little, uh, you know, seemingly little or misconstrued information about the polls, but what's, uh, what's your take on it? Just real quickly, if you don't mind. Um, well, yeah, there's like an interesting story. I can't recall exactly what it is, but it's about, I think it says that, oh, I was looking up him, him doll or him doll because I was trying to see like who killed Loki and it was him doll that killed Loki. And he's the one that's in like, uh, the Thor movies that guards the Bifrost bridge. And it says that the Bifrost bridge is right at the entrance to Asgard. So as we were talking to Yak, he basically said also that Asgard was like the hollow earth, the halls, Valhalla, were the like uh, the magma halls inside of uh, the poles. So <clears throat> I I asked him about it you know and he's like one day we need to sit down and you just write down all the questions you want to ask me and we can just i can just try to answer as many questions as i can for you 
Which is basically why we need to get all this basic stuff out. So when we talk about it, people have an idea of what we're even saying. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be so lost. So basically, if there's an energy vortex right there before the entrance to Asgard or Valhalla, could that possibly be where the Bifrost Bridge is at? And then I even asked them about the Mars connection, like Ari Aslan was Aslan was saying to us. And uh, he was like, oh, I'll answer it later. But uh, I, I find that such an in, intriguing question, you know, and something to really ponder about because we know that yeah. there's yep. an energetical force around the planet. And it would make sense that the most energy is probably coming from those poles. So I would say that there has to be something going on with the energy from the poles. And I also actually believe that the earth is hollow and there's uh, possibly, I don't know if I believe there's civilizations in there or not, but I believe it is hollow. At one point I kind of thought that maybe the two poles were the holes of like the birth canal and they were the ones those holes were the what what gave life to everything on the planet but you know who knows i don't know but it's I, well that's, fun that's to a think great about. thing about that's a great thing about that question is what we told everybody as they yeah well, everybody was wandering on with their thoughts and that's a beautiful thing about yeah. it and that's, this, there is no right answer, and yeah. it's all speculative, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what, like, and that's what you'll probably get from the Fireball episodes. Is we'll ask questions like this to each other, and we'll just see what each other thinks or our perspective on, you know, certain questions, you know, like that. So, it's it's fun. I like it. I dig it. I, you know, yeah. We could I want to talk people on too. We could bring people yeah. on, like maybe like a some any any guests or fa uh, fans, uh, yeah. people that enjoy the show could come on. That'd be super fun. Yeah, I would like that. You know, uh, for people to come on that listen to the show and and just say, hey, what do you guys think about these things? And you know, just have a conversation. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, they're going to yeah. be short. They're not going to be like your two and three hour episodes either they're going to be an hour under you know we're not going to do an intro we're just gonna start off do an hour and that's it beautiful yeah with beautiful questions like that one like what the <laughs> fuck are the polls what like, <laughs> you know yeah it's yeah. crazy i know it really is but yeah. uh so we were we were talking yeah we were talking about poland to start that one off and mm-hmm um, it, 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 it degraded into that, uh, which is beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get into today. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it, man. Uh, what yeah, are we, what, uh, are you ready for the RFTA news? T T T I like T T News. <laughs> hey news. <laughs> I love RFTA news, y'all. Alright, what you got for us today, homie? Oh god. Alright, here we go. I don't know, I'm all spread out again like a freaking sweet BDSM queen. 
on a, <laughs> I don't know what that reference was. Wow. I really, that's not my style, y'all. Um, my wow. style is sweet vanilla. Sweet vanilla cream pie frosting on a mountaintop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. You can cut all that out. Anyways. Um, I won't. Okay, cool. Uh, so here we are. Okay, we are here where we are currently right now. And this is a big deal. Um, this is a big deal. I've talked about fluoride before, right? And I have a speculation as to why beer used to be used and drank in, uh, in spiritual practices and, you know, war and battle and, and all the, and all these like, you know, just normal household things. Another thing is because water was just so filthy that people would get sick from drinking it so they would ferment the water by making beer or wines so that way they could drink yes yes another fun one i heard too is that uh during lent uh when you're you can't eat food or no not lent passover sorry passover when you can't eat food they actually were allowed to drink beer and that's where the name liquid bread came to be which I thought was interesting. Um, so it's all well, the things. Oh, oh. Yeah. I'm going to start with the German purity laws. Have you are, are you familiar with the German purity laws, my friend? No. The beer, the beer purity law. No. Okay. The beer purity law was founded in 1516, and what that meant was beer at this point forward was going to be controlled um, around the world. Uh, specifically, you know, and and the main countries that were brewing beer in 1516, which wasn't seemingly as many as there are today. Um, but the beer purity law still gets edited and talked about every year. Um, it's still fully intact. And the beer purity law uh, meant that nothing else than water, yeast, barley, and hops are able to use to make beer. Well, one main reason that is, is because the highly religious people who are ruling those European areas mm-hmm. did not like what the pagans were using in their beer. Mm. Belladonna, fungus, cannabis, other types of herbs, special strong herbs, right? So they were making basically tonics that were alcoholic and because because people used to be alchemists man people used to make fucking drinks they used to experiment in their homes you know we had more time we weren't concerned with the things that we're concerned about today so they yeah. they, they they were experimenting a lot right um and then uh and so the beer purity law kind of came into play it was one of those like you know whitewashing strongholds of of a substance, you know, or, or a controlled, like the FDA, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a regulatory, uh, kind of system, right? CRA. Yeah. So kind of like CRA. Catholic regulatory association. Exactly. (laughs) No, straight up dude. And don't even start it. We will go into all of that because all of the regulatory systems, the CDC, the FDA, the ADA, and all of those dumbass abbreviated fucking, uh, corporations 
alphabet names are all fled from the New World Order Rockefeller takeover of the country and reality as we know it. And that's an entire other episode that we absolutely can't go down right now. So, yeah, like this is good stuff for like the fireballs. Like I, I have some stuff to add to this about uh, there was a, a goddess called Pharmacia. You could get into that on there. And also like, I mean, you could ask this question is, do you think that they are doing it purposely to affect us? Or is it more about just keeping anything that was pagan out of the arena? You know what I mean? Um, well, I think or a it little was bit of both. mainly, I think it was mainly <laughs> to keep the pagan out. Um, I don't not sure i was nefarious for the fact that they were extremely racist and thirsty for blood that was not their own unless it was you know like raping their own but uh because i could get into what they did to witches and you know Uh the the catholic insurrection or the 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 knights templar what was that one called i forget anyway go ahead sorry uh Okay, yeah, no, you guys get what I'm putting, pick up what I'm putting down, okay? Uh, so back in the day, people, uh, humans, are our humans, used to make remedies. They used to know about plant medicine. They used to mm-hmm. make drinks and tonics and, and potions, alchemy, and all these things. Uh, yeah. And today, it's, it's you're really taboo or fringe if you do that because it, one, takes time and effort, God forbid. God forbid that you take your time after anything, you know, working for the fucking man all day to come home and brew some shit because you're tired and you fucking don't want to do anything. You know what? Fuck you. Okay. Fuck you for not standing up for your goddamn rights. Kidding. Wow. That was incredibly (laughs) angsty. I I don't know where that came from. Uh, No, it's because it, it just, we're digging. I've been digging into so much so much yeah. heavy stuff this past week. another so. thread of that too is what people think was the ancient tech well the ancient tech was fucking alchemy and magic and yeah ether physics yeah magic yeah yes, it's, and yeah. it's not necessarily evil it could have been used for good i think people probably used it for evil as they do all things well, the pa- uh, they they would they would match it with the pagans as using it for evil, right? Yeah. So if the pagans did it, it's evil and it's bad. Even to this day, things that that these ancient cultures did that weren't the the Christian or the Catholic, like you know, yoga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's evil. It's du- it's dirty. Yeah, it's gross. Astrology. You know? Well, astrology is heavily used in a lot of like Catholicism and and the Vatican and and things like that, though. Do they? We'll because say. they, I, I kind of think they tell people that it's uh, hocus well, they tell them and they, not to believe in it. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. On that mainframe, you know, it, yeah. it can be construed as that. But dude, we are on a rise, man. Like, granted, there's a lot of misinformation about basic astrology out there. We are on a rise of the awareness of astrology. I mean, I can't tell you how many just r- regular old humans out there that, um, you know, like think about it, like in the nineties, you, you only had like some, 
clips in the newspaper about horoscopes. You had tarot readers and crystal ball readers and psychics, but it was rare, right? Like it was like Mm -hmm. in New York City and San Francisco and like a couple cities, you know. But now you have everybody reading tarot. And I don't mean everybody. I I do mean a a decent, like a lot more than used to be. Um, A lot more people just as a basic conversation starter. What's your sign? Mm-hmm. Right. And this kind of stuff. So it's like things kind of ebb and flow from the societal mainframe, right? Like you have, we used to be so heavily involved in it and then it, it went away, but now it's coming back, but now it's being fed back with misinformation and all these different angles. And, and, uh, you know, people want to argue about what's right, what's wrong. And, you know, instead of, listening to everything and trying to maybe meet in the middle on things. And it's, it's a, it's interesting. And, but that's where I'm going to go with this though. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to ebb and flow into another type of like purity kind of law, if you will, uh, about beer now and Mm -hmm. other drinks and foods that exist. Due to the addition of fluoride into our water system, granted there are some towns and counties that don't have fluoride or they have a lot less fluoride PPM, we as a country are still heavily fluoridating the water. Well, you know, it's it's an issue, okay? You know, fluoride kind of had this this kind of breakthrough, right? There's a lot of lot of stories where fluoride came from. Well, fluoride is naturally occurring. You have calcium fluoride, which is in like plants and the the soil. And then you have things like uh, sodium fluoride or uh, hydrofluor... uh, Oh God, what is this one? I'm going to fucking butcher it. Just you have synthetic and you have natural fluoride. Let's just put it that way. Okay. And natural fluoride is fine. And 0.004 PPMs, it's fine. Uh, topically, it is fine for the teeth. It can help cav- cavity breakdown, right? That's why the sugar industry was heavily putting fluoride in their sugar because they believed that it would oh. help the sugar be less, you know, cav- cavity breaking and breaking down the enamel. They also added it to salt. Um, and they've been experimenting with fluoride for a long time. And then there's the other um, story that basically fluoride is was brought in by the Operation Paperclip scientist that it can cross a blood-brain barrier and, you know, cause neurodegenesis and other other issues, um, and a lot of them. And I will go into it more because I'm going to keep bringing fluoride up all the time because it's fucking terrible until we get rid of it. Until it's a big uproar, (laughs) I won't let it down, right? And that's, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to at least be somewhat activist, if we may. Uh, and yeah, so people, here's the deal. You may drink reverse osmosis water. You may try to get the healthiest water you can, but it doesn't matter because if you're eating cereal, if you're drinking beer, if you're drinking juice, if you're eating candy, like any food that's processed, right? That's made with like any percentage of water, depending on where it's manufactured, it could have heavy amounts 
of fluoride in it because some counties put a lot more fluoride than others. And some of those counties that do that are also heavy manufacturers and distributors. It's oh, super, super unfortunate, right? I've never even thought about that before. It's interesting. It is, man. It is because, you know, fluoride is this, you know, when they talk about fluoride coming from the uh, Operation Paperclip scientist, a.k.a. Nazi scientist, you know, they say that they came over and they told the American government that, oh, you aren't using fluoride to dumb your people down, to make them easier to control, to stop their pineal gland from mm -hmm. connecting to the antenna of the spiritual world. Yeah. Well, you must do it. Well, since then, since Operation Paperclip, since the 50s and 60s, we have put fluoride into so much stuff. And since the addition of fluoride into the water, we have now not only added it into the drinking water, we have also added it into the juices and the sodas and the oh, beer and, and all this, right? Let me, so Gatorade, let's go. Gatorade too? Yeah, man. Do you want to know? I got Gatorade right here, bro. No, Gatorade. Man, I drink Gatorade like every day. Yeah, Gatorade has um, on average 1.088 parts per million. Wow. No, sorry, 1.08 parts per million. So the if you drink four of those a day, which is ridiculous, um, but if if you drink, they say if you if you a toxic amount of fluoride consistently would be four parts per million. Okay. So, so that's if you drink important. four Gatorades a day. But That's then you have to also amount. think, what about the water? If you're drinking water yeah. and if you're having any, if you're having other substances, oh, you have man. to, you know, we're, we're not talking about just water here. We're talking about big things. So, um, that's Gatorade food processing often concentrates fluoride and foods processed with fluoridated water. They typically have higher fluoride concentrations than food processed without non-fluoridated water. There was a study that found marked differences between uh, cereals processed, uh, processed in fluoridated water and non-fluoridated water areas. And it shows that cereals processed with fluoridated area uh, had fluoride concentrations ranging, concentrations ranging from 3.8 parts per million to 6.3. Holy shit. Um, yeah, that's, that's already over the toxic level. And look who they marketed at, too. Kids. Okay. Juice. Kids. Soda. Kids. The other Adults. day I was in. Adults too. Beer. Adults. That's the only thing you need to do is put it in the fucking beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, adult I, soda too. But you know what I mean? Like it used to be mainly marketed towards kids. Um, yeah. And I was walking in the store the other day and I was, you know, now I just look at all the labels on everything now. But I was looking at infant uh, toothpaste. The only ingredient. Do you remember when I did the toothpaste episode on here? Yeah. Okay. And I listed all the ingredients on there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Infant toothpaste and, and children toothpaste has one main active ingredient. Fluoride? Sodium fluoride. <laughs> I Anybody go to the fucking store, go to the toothpaste section and pick up a children's toothpaste and it will be sodium fluoride under active ingredients and yeah, I, inactive ingredients. I know like all the toddler age toothpaste, you know, like the bubblegum flavored ones and stuff. Yep. They usually have like a fluoride in it as like 
uh, you know, it's like, oh, you're supposed to brush your teeth with fluoride when you're younger to stop cavities because... Well, we wouldn't have such fucking cavities if we weren't eating such shit food for our kids. Uh. Societal issues, societal issues, systemic issues spread out. It's not, you know, it's not funneled, bro. It's not just streamlined. It's, it's like a web and it's, it's, it's huge and it varies. And, you know, that leads me into the whole thing about beer is like soda pop in beer bottled with fluoridated water contains anywhere from like 0.7 to 1 part per million fluoride. So mm-hmm. consumption of these drinks is almost definitely more variable among individuals in the consumption of water. Which, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true. It's just a couple studies that I read. But I know a lot of people in a lot of areas, they do, they will have water, but then, you know, we'll have coffee. Okay, so you can also do coffee. If you're drinking coffee with Florida water, that's that. So you'd be like, well, I don't drink water only. I drink coffee. I drink this. Okay. When you add all these things up, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. And the main issue is is not skeletal and, and dental fluorosis. For me, it's it crosses the blood-brain barrier and goes into the pineal gland. And the issue with that is the pineal gland is so important and so special. It's unlike any other gland in our body. It's unlike anything else in the brain. And mm-hmm. it is it's crucial to creative uh, ingenuity to uh, complete cognitive abilities, to, to secretion of serotonin, melatonin, oxytocin, and a lot of chemicals that, that, are, that are from that gland. And I don't know why they targeted the kids so much, but I can only imagine it's that if they get it calcified at an earlier age when the blood-brain barrier is weaker and lesser and the bones are softer and the skull is softer and fluoride is known to also go into the bones and calcify the bones, then if they started off with us as children, then they're getting a head start and they don't have to, They're you're already calcified from the day you're born. And that's why it's important to advocate for these things because we're not just talking about water. We're talking about water as life and water goes into everything. So if we have toxicity in our water, it's going into all the food and the drinks. Man. Yeah. And that's, that's it, bro. That's it. That's all I got. That's crazy. Pisses me off, man. (sighs) I can't drink Gatorade anymore now, man. You got to make your own. You ruined it for me. I got a recipe for you. You ready? Okay. So salts are electrolytes. And I haven't dug into salts too much yet. I did a little bit on the last one uh, with the salt bath. But salts are electrolytes. Okay. Different kinds of salts and minerals. Minerals are electrolytes. So get some good fancy salt. You can go online and get it. You can get cell salts. You can get mineral salts. You can get all these different salts. Get them with lemon and some other citrus and honey or maple syrup. Put it in your water. The salt, the sweet, and the sour with your water is a homemade Gatorade. And it's fucking fire. I swear to God, dude. What? I swear. Like, I've, I've tricked people out before, bro. I'm like, you, you want some of this, this Gatorade? <laughs> Man, I got to check that out. Let me know how you like it. Yeah, I'll see. I'll 
I'll try it. <laughs> I might try it. I don't know, but I might have to stop drinking all those Gatorades. I drink like one a day. And if not that, then I drink juice or water. But uh, I mostly stay away from the alcohol, so I'm good on that front. But uh, I got to have my Gatorade, man. I got to have my purple drink. Hey, I feel <sighs> you. <laughs> uh, so, Yake, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong all the time, and I'm sorry to Yake if I say his name wrong, um, but I'm not Swedish, and I honestly don't know how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> and uh, he even said that Jim Chesner just called him Jock because he couldn't really say it correct either. So I'm sorry if I get your name wrong, bro. I don't mean to. No disrespect. And Mr. Hagstrom sent me uh, that Jim wrote him a letter before he died, and he sent me that. And also um, another thing that Jim told him. So I'm going to read both of those, and then I'm going to read a little story uh, that gives a background of your Bach to the Bach saga. So that way we kind of fit everything as far as like an intro to Bach goes into this episode. So. Nice. Uh, he sent me this. It says, explain the old poem in English about Odin that I learned in Finland. The cosmology story. The story of the eel or sperm are each one soul and the difference between the spirit and the soul. Why I drink from myself or offer to myself for the last 35 years. The great planet sperm throw away story. Mankind losing his wisdom water, one orgasm after another, just because he maybe never thought of it himself. Like me, I had really ever even thought to succeed. Then when heard Michael telling the saga on some old cassette tapes in 1985, I first heard about it. It hit me like a hammer. I have only lost my seed one time since that day. We talk later. So what he's talking about here is basically part of what I read during the beginning of the Ari Asulin interview with the whole offering system and swallowing your own sperm, basically. Jerusalem. Yeah, that was the segment right there. And Basically, he's saying when you give up your semen, you're losing your your like mana, basically, your wisdom, your energy, your whatnot. So he said, I had really ever even thought to succeed. Succeed is in relation to the fact that you're sucking the seed out of yourself. And that is what success is. It's pretty interesting. Suck sex. It's weird. But it's, uh, I know there's a lot of like Tartarian people that are super into this now, like saving their seed. And I wonder sometimes if it's from this or if it's some other weird things that they've gotten into. I have no idea. But he sent me another message also. And it says, one of the last messages, messages by Jim Chesner to me. No edit, raw. 
Not to me, this is to Yake. There are two main theories of the universe. Number one, the Big Bang Theory. One night, nothing exploded, and bingo, there was a billion somethings. Hmm. How can something come from nothing, and how does nothing explode? No logic. Number two, the God Theory. One night, an invisible guy up in the freezing vacuum of the outer space somewhere just decided to make it all in six days. Again. Where did he come from and where did he get the matter to make a billion stars? No logic again. However, the box saga gives us a third option. Number three, the eternal universe theory that I gave you yesterday could also say that the definition of eternal is no beginning and no end. Thus, if the universe had a beginning, it is not eternal. The saga says that the universe is forever. If it's not, then we no longer need the words always, forever, never-ending, eternal, or infinite. They would have no meaning if there is an ending. And then he does a poem, the Odin poem. Odin is a ring. Odin is everything. Odin has always been, and Odin will always be. And Odin is the sun. To understand this ancient poem in English about Odin is to understand the whole universe according to the Acer. The whole world is becoming a fucking circus. So he sent me both of those. Those are I really love the Odin poem because it's basically saying the sun is God, the sun is life. Without the sun, there is no plants, there is no humans, there's no animals, there's nothing. Without the sun, we would not be alive because we need the sun's energy to grow food. We need it for everything. Without the food that the animals eat, we have no animals to eat. We have no vegetables to eat. We have nothing without the sun. So the sun is God to them. And if you look at a lot of religions or even the pagan ones from you know the ancient times there always seems to be some type of sun worship going on and everything so that's kind of i think maybe where it stems from and then the moon being the adversary to the sun and lucifer being the adversary to god makes a whole lot of sense so then I have the box saga itself. This is taken from the box saga and introduction. It's at the very beginning. I'm just going to read a little bit about who Eeyore Bach is. So Michelle Merle gives a little uh, forward in the beginning of the saga. And he says, the 24th of February, 1984, dawned like any other morning on the glistening shores of India's smallest state of Goa. As had become the custom, a few friends gathered on the porch of E.R. Bach's house to soak up the good company. But on this particular morning, Eeyore stroked his mustache and cleared his throat, announcing that he had a story to tell concerning the alphabet. His friends couldn't help but feel ever so slightly surprised. The last thing they expected from someone considered more or less illiterate 
and whose main interest was 18th century Nordic history, was to dwell on such a subject. But what would follow was the fascinating story of his family. This story is called the Bach Saga. It was not long before his pots and pans were flying through the air in reaction to what he told his listeners, and this was only the beginning of many strong reactions provoked by the saga. In the midst of all this chaos and bizarreness that his words evoked, Eeyore just quietly continued to tell the story to anyone who took the time to listen. I was there, listening, when the rug of the porch was pulled from under our feet, and the seed for this book was sown. So that was by Michel Merle. And then I'm going to read a little bit of the preface because it goes into a lot more detail. And it says, The Bach Saga is a story of mankind as passed down through the generations of the Bach family, the Finnish family of Eeyore Bach, whom, according to him, was the keeper of an ancient oral tradition that sheds light on the heathen culture of Finland and its history. It begins with the first two people dwelling on this earth and ends with the untimely and tragic death of Eeyore Bach in 2010. It covers a huge time span and an enormous number of events have taken place since then. The Bach saga narrates this all in great detail. It is, in short, an enormous story. Eeyore Bach told us that from the age of seven to the age of 27, he had been educated on the Bach saga by his mother, Rhea, and her sister, Rachel Bachstrom. He would have to sit for two hours every day and listen to his mother and aunt relating the saga. He was not allowed to say a single word. He could only listen. The two storytellers were very strict taskmasters. If for some reason a day was skipped, the listening time would be doubled on the following day. Needless to say, this all happened at the expense of the young Eeyore's formal schooling. And in this way, the family story of the saga was passed on from his mother and aunt to Eeyore over the course of 20 years. Rhea and Rachel, in turn, heard it from their father and their father's sister, who got it from their parents, and so on. The family tradition was to educate the children in the Bach saga, passing it on orally for countless generations. Oral traditions have the unfortunate reputation of not being trustworthy, because when passed on, they slightly change, so that over long periods of time, the story can change considerably. The saga differs in that it lays on top of what is called the sound system, which is similar to a mathematical matrix that controls what is true and what is not in the saga. This particular matrix is formed by the root language, a language in which every sound has a meaning and a mark. All symbols, words, and sentences are combinations of these building blocks of meaningful sounds. Since the meaning of sounds are fixed and cannot be altered, the saga can be passed on to the next generation without any changes in its purest form. Just as mathematics in the language in which the natural cohesion between numbers is described and can be thus passed on, so is the root language the natural means of describing the Bach saga. When in symphonic music a discordant note is played, you can immediately hear it is not in harmony. The same is true for spoken words that do not fit into the Bach saga. 
the names or facts are given that are not in harmony with the sound system. We know it does not fit into the story and is fictitious. The sound system is carried by the root language. According to the saga, the root language was the first language on our planet. It was formulated in the brain of the first human. It is a simple, natural language that firstly describes body parts and analog to that, a person's immediate surroundings, nature. The heavens above and from there on, it progresses to abstract concepts. Many times the meaning of the sounds and the root echoes from the human body's layer of meaning to the other layers of meaning just described. Examples of the language and its meaning and principles occur throughout this book. One of the implications of the sound system being the matrix of the box saga is that it is and always will be primarily a story transferred orally. An analogy to this can be found in music, which is best passed on from ear to ear instead of through written notes. The box saga was kept strictly within the family for almost a thousand years. The box family plan was, among other things, that Eeyore would be the first and the last member of the family to share this story with the outside world in the year that his mother passed away. Before she died on April 6, 1984, Rhea Bostrom, who was the family's last female member, gave Eeyore her blessing to start relating the story on February 24, 1984, the day Scott Bag was celebrated. At that time of her death, Eeyore Bach was the last surviving member of this once great family and the only person in the world who knew the saga. So that's a little uh, history of that. And if you know anything about like the Viking mythology, also there was always like a god, or not a god, but a, a bard who would like go around and uh tell stories and sometimes he did it with like a some type of musical instrument uh it was kind of like a guitar looking thing sometimes i think but uh it's a bard for you yake showed me this uh instrument called uh a cantil but it, basically what he said is it's the father of the sitar and the sitar is the father of the guitar so Many people think that the sitar just gave birth to the guitar and there was nothing before it, but apparently there was in the northern regions and it was called the cantile. And it looks like a kind of like a, a bigger harp, kind of. And uh, in the mythologies, the harp was kind of an instrument of the gods. So it's pretty interesting that it also connects into there too. And the stories were passed down in like songs almost in poems or they call them the post eras uh which are the there's they're like stories but with uh, verses and rhymes in them and stuff uh so that way they could remember them and tell them to other people and this is where you get the game of telephone so they probably well we know from some of the other things that they were seafarers and they probably went around to different ports and they would tell and share stories with other people. And those people would go on and share those same stories with other people. And then you get the whole game of telephone going on like that. There's a very interesting connection there. 
because they say that some of the stanzas that are in the Bible kind of have a poetic scheme to them and everything. You know, there's verses, there's hymns, but they used a lot of poems and uh, they Symbolism. did. They had a lot of oral traditions and that's how they spread everything. So when people go looking for a lost civilization that never wrote anything down, well, it's going to be pretty hard to find them, huh? Yes. No, so. it's fucking so sad, man. So sad. It's just being wiped out of history and wiped out of existence. Yeah. You know, even if it's not the whole story. I mean, I thought about this many times, you know, like, is Box Saga real or is it not real? I mean, you could look at the Mahabharata and the Bible also and say, are those real or are they not real? And you could get arguments from both sides. And the way sure. I see it is if Eeyore Bach was just crazy guy and just made all this shit up, then he is probably the best like storyteller of all time because he made up a fucking saga and it, a lot of the things hit and actually point to things that people have proved in real life. Uh, like with their estimation of 10,000, I think they say like 10,600 BC is when the third or the second Ragnarok happened or something like that. So, and then you get all these newer scientists that are given the same date for the end of the last uh, ice age, which pretty on point if he just made that shit up then that's pretty fucking amazing and he made up a whole language system that assumes uh everything else has come from if you look at that language wheel it seems like most languages actually come from uh northern finnish languages from the vaughn and the acer so that is also pretty interesting and compelling and I don't think you would make up stories about sucking your own dick and drinking your own sperm. That would be pretty weird. Unless you're on some uh, some berserker mead. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, yeah. True that. Um, but they did have some weird customs, but their customs try to fit in with nature and abiding by nature. And, you know, you know what they say. And sometimes nature can seem good and sometimes it can seem bad. You know, we, we've had this discussion before where if a shark eats a seal, is that bad? Or is the shark just trying to survive? And uh, death in nature is accepted, you know. It's a normal What's thing. it all created uh, with the, uh, the tilt, the golden age, where seemingly less animals had to eat animals and more animals were eating plants? Some nefarious energy comes and makes a tilt happen on the planet, and everybody's e eating animals and up Since, and down. Could have sent us into a completely different vibration too, and wow. different. You know what I mean? So I mean that that could have changed the whole vibration of the planet and to vibrate differently and cause us all to be different. You know, who knows? Uh, I'm sure there's people working on trying to figure that stuff out, though. I mean, people are always trying to figure out consciousness and 
how we relate and why we're here and where did we come from. And uh, me too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a constant, it's a constant learning process. Yeah, man. Well, that's all I got. Here we are. You ready for this? Ready for this sweet interview? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Man, you guys ready to wake the fuck up? Time rise. Time to go to hell.
All right, we're here today with Yake Hagstrom. Do you have any uh, places where people can go find you at? Well, like I said, like on the YouTube, just type in my name there, should pop up. And uh, but because I have no like uh, website or anything, but the thing is, like with the box saga, whoever starts to like speak about it, it's uh, a big associations cross there. But to be plain, you know, I've been most of my life I've been like into music and uh, and also like Swedish history and looking into Egyptian more like the what's there i've been traveling a lot you know and just the artistic and symbolism and all of this is a trail that i have been like been driven into but with the box saga it's like a natural thing to come to as a mus- musician i think because it's all based on sound like in the music world you know but uh, the box saga it was just a profound lightning hit almost in my brain because I was studying like the Norse mythology and was into the runes and all of this shit. And uh, there was a book I was reading and uh, I was trying to contact the author there. And I was like immediately directed by another person to pay some fee and to join this uh, draconian order. (laughs) So, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> there's like a paywall here now for knowledge. And they write the things in such a mystical way, you know. So yeah, it will lead people into circles uh, that doesn't go very far. So I, I've seen that uh, there are some like weird thing going on, like a cult. And it's all based on like this blood sacrifice and the way we think that like the pagans would have been but as i have been finding out for my personal belief you know or the understanding is a better word it's uh, that the pagans were something completely else very civilized in the, yeah. the modern eye oh. yeah that, that, that's interesting because it seemingly uh, i was just talking about this the other day especially here in america you know we tend to demonize cultures right and like flip them and reverse them and um you know like india you know indian culture india is dirty it's gross they're you know they're so overpopulated over there but you know some of the richest oldest culture with like you know so diverse with so much so much uh immense knowledge and then yeah the the viking the story over here for the the vikings is basically that they were just rapists and murderers and pillaged and they were pagans bloody sacrifice and that was it they they you know they obviously had no compassion or no love for their people and no love for anybody or respect or anything and to me into uh my intuition tells me that that there's there's just i i don't know like there's definitely that's, that's the probably, whitewash yeah but that's to, exactly to be honest uh, what uh, really got me thinking in the beginning i was starting to remember now there was this british guy or on from ireland perhaps he was but anyway, he made like this three-part documentary that you can find on YouTube, like really well made, like on the on the highest production television level, you know. And he was following this trail because he was like obsessed with that these people isn't this image that has been pro- portrayed with the trades and you know they have been all over the world. It seems 
those barbaric yes. pagans, you know, and why come there are like runes into, I think it's this Taj Mahal or uh, some, you know, some of this, I'm not really sharp with the information now. It was a long time ago, but it really, <laughs> it really like opened up a, a curiosity for sure. Because why would you, they be otherwise, you know? <laughs> The stories need to be told because the 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 oral tradition, you know, it's it's. I mean, it, the the great thing about the information age and the, the age that we live, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard for me to say that, but the great thing about it is the fact that we can get some of these oral traditions out to more people, so then we can like hopefully try to hunker them yeah. down. Yeah, you know? podcasting is the new oral tradition. Yeah, for man. sure. That's why I uh, really like it. Because I use yeah. it on a personal level also, but people are so busy all the time, you know, and to just have like one of these in, you can still like be functional in the work world. So, <laughs> I mean, half in, half I hear out. You. Yeah, yeah. the only That's place right. where I couldn't have that was when I was working in this uh, plant store, you know, where I was working out there with uh, selling uh, like outdoor plants, you know, like trees and shit. And I had this in my ear, and uh, the manager there was like, "Hey, can't have that," you know. And I was like, "What? <laughs> you know, there's no one around like that." But uh, it was forbidden, you know. And they played this fucking over and over again the commercial f- fucking tape they had there. I, it was driving me nuts, so I couldn't stay there, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I feel the same way when it's like this uh December time and they're just playing Christmas music all the time everywhere. Mm. Uh drives me fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Some and Christmas it, songs I like, I just can't listen to it over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's only like the artists that are really like dried out on money and really need to do something that I'm you know, it's the worst <laughs> fucking shit that ends up there anyway. <laughs> I don't know why. I listen to a a Snoop Dogg music. Uh, I listen to Snoop Dogg does Christmas or something like that. Oh, Oh, fuck. Are you serious? No way. (laughs) Yeah, it it exists. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, let's be honest. Okay. We could keep singing these Christmas songs that are bullshit, right? And they're old. Or we could hype it up a little bit. All right. We get out there and we make some new jingles that are actually tight. But (laughs) let's infiltrate it. Yes, yeah, so let's infiltrate Christmas, Christmas music. Scene. Let's, let's bring it back to the <laughs> pagan roots. <Christmas. laughs> oh. Yeah, there's there's actually one song that I enjoy still today. You know this event uh, called Lucia, mm-hmm. uh, and it is this uh, train of girls, you know, coming up all beautiful, and often the most beautiful one is like the one uh, who are acting like Lucia, you know, but uh, all this. This is a, like a thing that are still going, like huge ceremonies in the churches in Sweden around the Lucia. And that's a beautiful thing, actually, because it's a, it's a very old uh, like theater tradition that uh, is very old, you know, pre-Christianity. So... <clears throat> Wow, I can say right. that's that's really that's, that's really cool. my like uh, Christmas vibes, <laughs> you know, as far <laughs> and the, with the trees, you know, and getting around with the family is awesome with the Christmas, I think. But please, 
please, no Christmas music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the family's good. Is there a name? Is that a play ever on any film? Is there a way that we can like kind of see it? Yeah, yeah, you can see it on uh, on YouTube actually. Lucia, Doomshirkan. I can. Uh, so I think one of the most important things about Box Saga is the writing and the language. But also just the origins of where the saga came from, I think, is important for people to know. So will you give us a little bit about how you got into the box saga and then tell us about Eeyore and then go into like the writing system? Like I said before, like when I heard the saga, because I was all over like the I was making like this uh, library, a huge like book. With both uh, both uh, like pictures and uh, information that I gathered from like everything I could find on the Norse uh, mythologies and all this, and uh, but also a lot into the runes and the like the system that they, you know, the teaching of the runes basically. And I also try to research where the information comes from, like. To get like the root canon, and I found out that there's there was this guy in Sweden in like the 1800s, like in middle, pretty not too long time time ago to be honest, like 1850 or I'm not really sure. But this guy, he uh, made the first like. Uh, uh, attempt or there's this stone called the uh, Kilvert stone which uh, const- ca- contains the runes that uh, that everyone is like using today and uh, with their meanings and whatnot and uh, it's just an interpretation from the beginning because uh, I-, I don't know maybe he tried to compare it with like the Hierog- uh you know the the thing they have in this uh, divination system that are connected to yeah the Hebrew, the Hebrew, they have also like a a, a letter with a meaning, and they are twenty two, but on this Kilvert uh, stone there are twenty four, and mm. uh, I was like trying to compare the meanings and see if they had like a a similar origin, <laughs> but. In the end, you know, I was really like, as a, I was really like stuck in one way with my research because I couldn't, I couldn't really fill the pieces together. I wanted to be exact, and I also found that the current system that they are using with the divination and all with the runes, it has uh, uh, some runes swapped also, in my opinion. So, from the from the actual stone, if you look at the stone and how they put it into the book they have been tossing around in the order also. So I thought that was very confusing. <laughs> so I put it back and made my own like correct version according to that stone mm. and all that. So, <laughs> nice, But nice. then I uh, found out about uh, Jim Chesner. Uh, he had, uh, there was this uh, Welcome to Hell movie on YouTube had only like 300 views when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's called uh, Welcome to Rajasthan was actually the first <laughs> down in India, you know. So, and he talked about, uh, you know, Krishna and 
all this story down there in Indian, uh, India. <laughs> but anyway, he ne- mentioned like these words from Swedish, like uh, that I are familiar with, and started to t- talk about this uh, Swedish language and and all of this. And I was like, dude, it, this is it, because oh, wow. because when I'm like surrounded by it. Uh, in the names of uh, all the places and you know it's when you start to get this uh, you're starting to try it out you know this not theory but uh, to look at it from like Jim Chesner's side but I also found about found uh, the tapes of EO that are on YouTube when he talks and there are a lot of them that are in Swedish so I could listen to them also because he spoke uh, Swedish. Oh, he was not too good with Finnish, as I understand it. But uh, he, he, the mother tongue was Swedish. Uh, they, it's a di- different dialect because it comes from like southern Finland or Finland at all. They talk a little bit differently, but we can understand each other perfectly. So it's it's not so. But anyway. I went through all these tapes and all of this and and I con- contacted uh, Jim and he replied really fast and we became good friends thereafter. So that was like the beginning of that because Jim had so much other stories also like that are not connected to the saga. And I, I just, every time we talked, he made me like crack up and laugh so much. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's the most... And he was yes. sitting there, you know, he was a, a, a stoner, a real stoner. He grew his own plants and all that, <laughs> you know. He had this special. He mashed it down to with honey, uh, the plant. So he, in the end, it was, I think it was coconut, honey, and uh, the cannabis. And he, like, mashed it into this uh, almost like honey, but it was green. And he put it into his teacup. Oh wow, that's a that's good because yeah, the fat, the fat from the coconut and then the mm. the honey in there that that's a beautiful making like a poultice almost kind of with the wow yeah that sounds good I'm gonna try that one out <laughs> I'll do that oh yeah that's a uh, Jim Chesner speciality <laughs> oh, cool, man. he told me like when he was flying some- over to uh, to Europe he would take it the biggest fucking spoon and just. And then it could be high for like two days or so <laughs> until he <laughs> got there. Wow. We used to take, uh, there was a place where there's a special type of psilocybin mushroom that would grow, <laughs> but you couldn't dry them. It was super hard to dry them. They would like almost shrivel up to nothing. So we just jam them into honey. And then that honey turns blue over time and just sits on the shelf for however long. Um, yeah, honey. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about and and just an amazing ancient superfood that has been with human culture for a long time. The uh, connection to bees and honey, and the, knowing the medicinal uses of it, and just having it be a part of human life. Uh, but if you have a good has. garden, it's awesome to have them anyway. You know. Oh yeah, the pollination. Mm-hmm. So. And then you can almost like, yeah, I saw some, uh, when I was vi- in Vietnam, they had this like herb garden, like this guy, he was stoked out that it was our, our guy. I, I, you know, he was, <laughs> he was almost like he was levitating, man. But wow. anyway, <laughs> he, uh, they had special flowers and they had made this type of honey that 
had this, uh, you know, it was a, a really good uh, taste in it. You know, they gave us some samples of it, but they okay. had those special flowers to like uh, make the honey even more like uh, uh, with a special taste, you know. So yeah, yeah, it definitely, a, I think whatever the bees use definitely influence it. Like in Hawaii, yeah, there's course. a lahua honey and it's all just pure white like this like creamy white mm. color Ooh. and uh like you know has different medicinal qualities you could wow yeah you could really tailor in to make some some yeah that's the beauty blends, with huh? the nature i think i think yeah that's a that's the beautiful thing with the with the mythologies or like the box saga for example it's so heavy with you know it's all natural things but you know every concept and it's basically nature knowledge i see it like that it's uh you know uh, the swedish language is based on a it's a natural la- language language you could say it, it, everything has a type to the practical also it's a weird weird uh, very high language i would say oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah i've been taking the box saga and trying to put it into everything that i hear i go oh this makes sense that makes sense you know, almost every, like, I keep on finding out that more and more things are getting confirmed rather than completely denied. Like, even down to, like, the whole, you know, people came from uh, a homunculus and a goat. Like, that seems, like, far-fetched and out there. But when you look at, like, uh, genetics and stuff, pigs actually came out of the goat. And then if you think about... uh there's people that talk about humans actually being part homunculus and pig. So you can say like, you know, millions of years ago that maybe they actually did come from a goat. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to think about. And, you know, science is just now starting to kind of catch up to that stuff. And and the goat and the pig are in the same uh, family uh, of hoof type, animals so yeah they it's talk very about interesting do you think they were hybridized at one point by like an ancient culture that they were using like a type of uh agricultural uh process to do that or do you think it just happened naturally <laughs> well in the saga it says that uh pretty much there's a catastrophe right and there wasn't very many people left on earth and then that's they had to do it was like a one-time thing that had to be done just to preserve life, basically. Hell yeah. Is, is that yeah, correct? Brother. Is that well, correct, Jake? Well, as I see it, it's this, uh, you know, with, I th- are you talking about like the third Ragnarok? Because that's like the destruction of the entire civilization uh, as a, from the mythos. I, we don't, the saga doesn't talk about paradise time too much, but as I know it in the Finnish language is like the key to paradise, which is 50 million years ago uh, that triggered the event that brought the desert and the glacier up here in the north. And uh, from there, the this author class that was uh, like the, the top is a very high, uh, what do you call it? Like a cost society that is are described with the author family living in like Asgore or uh, Asgore, Asgard you say 
but I think also like in the Greek they call it like Olympus perhaps mm-hmm. and uh, you know every culture that uh, seems to have some kind of revenants uh, because the marking for it was also like the swastika with the with the North Pole in the middle and it's turning around that axis that's why you had like this it's almost like this uh, wheel that you have for water uh, spins you know but uh, mm-hmm. but anyway it's um, that was that's how I see the, pro- the this author class that was this, uh, like in the precise North Pole they survived this uh, this uh, Ragnarök the first and it also made like the the, the uh, planet shift. So we have like this, you know, we have this situation now when the yep. planet is tilted. So we have this Mm-mm. weird kind of seasons that we probably wouldn't <laughs> live through during a, a situation where you had it straight. You know, you have twenty four hours of sunlight up here in the on the north. So do you think the tilt of the Earth was? the the symbolism of the fall or do you think the fall was something later multiple multiple uh, at least at least uh two times i think this uh this tilt this obvious tilt is one fall because the rest of the planet got divided to the the, uh, the center or the the ah. mid that uh, we're connecting Midgard. on the, that were connecting like all the cultures. Maybe they were the same culture, but of course they will perhaps uh, develop their own niche, you know, in those different ringlands that were spreading a lot across the planet that are described. I'm talking about it like it's what actually happened, but that's of course the <laughs> the natural way of bringing this because it has this kind of anchor in the in the language. Also, you you can just stumble upon a word and. You didn't even think about using it, but you found a meaning in it that are describing what you are trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So it Ties, does the magical thing about it. It's, it's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you think that um, ancient northern people from that from that area, or just in general, that knew maybe about some uh, some like inner earth at all? Like, because to me, when I, when I hear, you know, when we talk about like Asgard, Midgard and, and all of these angles and areas either with, which would be like realms, uh, you know, on a electromagnetic sense or just in like in a spiritual sense, but also possibly on a figure, uh, a physical sense that, you know, cause there's talk all around that, uh, about you know there being some sort of uh, some tunnel system or something inside the earth, and I was just wondering what uh, what your opinion is on that. <clears throat> well, I can tell you what's uh, from the saga and what the fact is like this: here they dig tunnels kilometers down into the earth because the bedrock are so thick here. Like if you go to Hawaii, you know, step in the wrong place and it will pour out lava. You know. It can be <laughs> quite dangerous. But here we have kilometers, like, so far. And they uh, deposit, like, this kind of nuclear waste down there now in chambers. And uh, in the mythology, <laughs> they talk about, they have this creation story that brought Earth into life. And they talk about, like, Earth is 
coming from the sun, like he's spitting out a ball of magma, like glowing. Mm-hmm. And it's like process. I don't want to do, go too deep into it because it's... Uh, the, the, the sun birthed the planets? Yes, uh, this planet. uh, at least this planet. Yeah. Because they see the other planets as stars. It's a different concept. But we can go into that <laughs> maybe further on. But this cosmology thing is quite... I think it's the hardest thing to like really... Uh, like accept if you want to use that word because you could also see this with the protestant uh, move that happened in the 1500s in europe they brought this thing into the the mind of the people that the, the sun was the core of the universe you know everything our sun and uh, it's actually what uh, what is being portrayed in the Box saga also, because the sun is also Odin, the creator. Be- uh, because it's a logical, it, it's all based on logic, you know, this astro logic or astrology, you say, but we have astrology, we say. Oh, I like that better. Yeah, it's also true is to believe. But, but if you really turn it, this is the, this is the, dangerous thing with writing you write one uh, like one letter and it can be like or or we could pronounce it like in a weird way but in a more vocal format the astrology is like straw is one grass of you know one one straw straw so you have like the the race of the author's logic you know it's some kind of uh, it's some kind of sun logic in one way, because the strollar is also coming from the sun, like rays, you say, but we say strollar for the sun rays that is giving the straw. Oh, <laughs> it's wow. a very like profound, basic understanding. You see, like uh, the straw mm-hmm. is all is coming from the sun. Without the sun, there would be nothing. But of course, we have electricity today. But it's a weird thing. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, that's just it. And that logic, that intuitive logic is what makes when it makes sense to you easily. That type of like intuition is is what I go with a lot. And that's what I think a lot of people need to go with, you know, is when you hear something described well from someone who, you know, like knows what the fuck they're talking about. It feels good, you know. You got to go with it. Your human, your human side of uh, intuition. Yeah, but it's so. Th- that's the thing. You have to kind of be logical, also. You know, mm-hmm. some things we maybe can speculate, and it's fun to speculate. But that's the that's why I'm so careful with the saga because, especially when you're on recording, you know, everything you say will become like recorded, and uh, mm-hmm. if you make like a mistake. Someone can spin on that because in an oral tradition, it's meant to be repeated, you know, and you can ask questions. So I think it's good to uh, get the information out, but it's, it's, it's uh, better to make a lot of content on this story or the box saga. And it it takes such a long time, but I know how, how it uh, like hooked me. (laughs) We say like the, Mm -hmm. the alphabet, 
like you can bet the hook <laughs> getting like into this mm. alphabet it's a weird phenomenon but it's a especially when you come up here uh, from up here where the, the this uh, language is the the native language and the box saga is mainly based on that in the root the, uh, the finnish say root synkiali for swedish language it's like we sing the root but it's still the root it's a more <laughs> a theater ish uh, you know the the swedish language compared to the original finnish swedish language which is root uh it it is a I don't know how to describe it, but it's 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 a little bit different. The people behave and talk differently, also. You know, it's a does this does the root language play a part into like the tree of life idea being it the root of life, the word, the wisdom? Because uh, even life. in the Bible, it says that you know God spoke, and whatever He spoke became reality so when you look at the root language and then you look at the tree of life it starts with the roots so it starts with the language and then it goes up into the tree and then into the leaves to the physical world yeah to the physical world uh, i know that in the this hebrew system they have this tree of life complex yeah. system right and i uh, and it originates from this flyer flower of life uh, geometry understanding mm-hmm. and that was uh, fascinated me i know that with the rune system they also use this tree of knowledge or tree of death as they call it it's like a reverse but strange but in the box saga the tree of life i know that they mentioned like the ringland uh, calculation was based on this you know a flower of life geometry Oh, yeah! Really? So they, so they know exactly. It's like they knew the size of the planet. The, there's oh, a lady. There's a uh, this lady. I can't remember her name and what podcast I heard her on, but she was actually talking about how uh, all these sacred sites are actually Michelle Gibson. Was it? Was it her? Yeah, where she goes to the different ley lines and electromagnetic hotspots, pulls them out, and makes like the sacred or the sacred geometry. Sacred geometry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she connects everything in that way and says that everything is connected through sacred geometry. Yep. So that's very interesting that you're saying that in in the box saga. It also I've been testing. It. I've been testing oh, yeah? it on on Google Earth there. Yes, to oh, wow. but it takes a lot of work, and I don't have really the tools to do you it, should, but. Look up, I'll send you a link to Michelle Gibson. She has done so much work on that. And then she got brought into like the Tartarian mud flood world. And but, she's uh, kind of like, are you familiar with that? No, yeah, I, I heard a little bit about this mud flood, but I'm, it's not my, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, the, the most brilliant thing, if you have like figure out how to make it fit like that, and then you can sort of make it detailed and uh, put it on like a, like Google Maps, for example. That would be really exciting for me because, yeah, it will really be exciting to see, actually. 
But uh, the thing I've been doing, though, because in the saga they talk about also this this Mediterranean, uh, what do you call it, the, the zero line, you know, the zero yes. line on this planet. And, uh, they, uh, they have moved it like one hour. So the Dutch own the rights to the zero line, but the, the British bought it. Little red and made it to Greenwich time and put like this uh, Big Ben to be a symbolical thing for it, you know. But before it was uh, going straight via Helsinki, Finland, and straight down. And you can also see like the border to between Libya and Egypt is divided by it if it's got exact. So, but I think it's, uh, I've been trying to research this. A little bit, but uh, you know, this is something they really want to uh, stick underneath the the the, <laughs> the doormat or something. You know, it's uh, because uh, the Swedes were building a huge uh, fortress on on the the gateway uh, gateway to these chambers. You were asking me about before, you know, this hollow earth thing, and uh, yeah, with the creation, Asgard, yeah, Asgard, Agartha. Yeah, but with this uh, creation story, they say when the like the planet uh, exploded into the uh, into the being that it is today, like and it's a very rapture event, and all the like the continents were created in the in like rocks, you know, coming up on, on because there's a this uh, egg story also with the there's this shell that is surrounded the Earth and it sort of cracks. And creates the atmosphere, and all this is like uh, an event. And on the top, it will become like this hole where all the gas from inside will want to vaporize when it mm. stabilizes. So those chambers are called like the the Valhalla, and the you know you could call it inner world. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> in the hollow earth, or you know, but uh, that's the. The, the thing that they have been trying to dig into also for uh, for many, many years. This group into the temple. They call it like Lemminkainen Temple or Baldur's Temple. It also has many names. But anyway, that's a huge, big, different story. But on, on top of that uh, entrance, they call it, they said that the entrance to Valhalla was open before like on the one of the islands outside of hell or Helsinki they call it today but the russians made a museum right on top of it and it's still there and jim i know jim has been there asking to like he wants to cut a hole in the floor to look down you know <laughs> <laughs> but not happening not happening but uh yeah that's sort of it it's like seven islands out there and on one of these islands, this huge castle, uh, yeah, like one of them islands, uh, they built like this main structure. And uh, yeah, they really never finished it, I think, because castles really don't get done, I think, you know. But it was a naval fortification where they could also build like those Viking type ships that. Mm. you know they had like a water lock so they could like fill it up and just go out 
And they built this there because the Russians were like spying and the Swedes didn't want to like give information out necessarily and all this. But it's a it's a good strategical position. But um, all this led to, you know, the Swedes lost uh, the war against uh, Napoleon and all of this. And I, I'm not too sharp with it, but the, the Russians took over this island. And as soon as the Russians, you know, had it, the English and the French, they came with this new kind of bomb that explodes. You know, they wanted to attack St. Petersburg, but they have emptied out all of the city there. So they went to destroy this castle totally into ruins. So it's not too much of it. But uh, the, the the entrance there to Valhalla, as they say, it uh, wasn't destroyed in the process. That's the story there. But I don't know where it- I was going with this, but I wanted to talk about this castle because it's also something that they want to... Nobody really wants to talk about. There's a lot of disinformation going there. And Eeyore Bach, he was working on, on this island as a tour guide describing the events around this, uh, this battle and uh, the history of Sveaborg, as they call it. And uh, even the Swedish king, as we have today, is like uh, coming from one French line, but he, he went to listen to Eeyore a lot of times. And he was like... Uh, <laughs> His fan, you know, <laughs> the king of Sweden. <laughs> so, and he could like have an audience with the king of Sweden at short notice. You know, he got these kind of permissions. It's it's a weird thing. But yeah, wow. you know, people are just people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, but there has also been like a smear campaign against this Swede, Swedish king, since you know all the time I have been growing up. He's like head of a lot of orders here in Sweden. There are three major orders that are like Swedish, and he is the head head of these orders. There's, uh, they invite all the like the big companies, you know, like Ericsson, I think, or Nokia, is uh, has been invited to this kind of. It's uh, <laughs> something I do in my spare time watching up all the famous Swedish people who have seen that order, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, uh, do you have a theory on what created the tilt and the end of the golden age? Uh, they have a, they, they mention it in the mythology. They say, or Eeyore used to put it like, like this, like they, like they say in the, in the Bible or like you, they turned their faces away from God and God in this story or good, he is Ukko, he's the all-father, you know, this uh, Santa Claus figure. He lives in the family of good because they are good, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's nothing more explicit about that. It's that just, is good. But, uh, but they are also like the highest family because of the offering system, the, the Midgård Urmen or the Midgård Serpent. In symbolical terms, it's oh, what's what is the Midgard serpent then? It is I was the always offering. wondering that. It's the it's snake. Just the bi- offering. It's the snake biting his own tail. I mean, how obvious can it be? <laughs> mm. <laughs> then why does Thor kill the serpent? 
Well, what is the symbology Thor, of that then? Thor has to do also with like culture or culture, or culture, so, we say. So is that like the symbolism of the ending of the offering system when he kills the Midgard serpent? I would say so. It's it's not oh. a positive thing. It's like the with the symbolism with the Saint George and oh, the killing okay. of the Seem, of the dragon. It's like seems like that's how a lot of the and Saint Patrick. Or Saint Patrick, I don't know too much. He he drove all the snakes out of what Ireland. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All these snake symbology symbology has to do with with offering and. Uh, you know, sexual content. <laughs> uh, wasn't the 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 Saint Patrick story though? The snakes were like the druids, and he drew the druids out of Ireland. Or yeah, I don't know too much of uh, Irish history. If you're interested in Irish history, you should like go to Michael Desarion. He has some good oh. interviews about. He's from Ireland, so. But there okay. was actually this guy from Boxaga that was gonna go on enslaved, uh, Kevin Woods. He passed away slightly before Jim, uh, and he was Irish, and he had so much on the Irish, but uh, never really got the, you know, the Erde, like we say, wasn't with him. Mm. It, it's an Erde thing, you know? Yeah, the thing. It's a weird thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I it's thought a, about it's it energy, today yeah. also, you know? It's so <laughs> weird how when you align yourself and just not go on this ego trip, you know, the, I mean, when you go out like this also, you know, but you don't crave like money. You don't crave too much of the, you know, knowledge is always like before. Knowledge and well-being, I would say, goes way beyond like earning too much money. But of course, money is important also in today's society, but. Wealthy, it's just me, man. I, I rather have, have a, I have a little better life, you know. Than. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can, you know, health and wealth, right? Like they're, they're just, they're interchangeable, right? And in, in the sense that it's really not wealth if you don't have health and not, I'm not talking about eating health, you know, like getting good organic food. Yes, there should be no inorganic food or processed bullshit, you know, but health in the sense of, you know, really that, that aligning yourself and understanding how to be the most in tune to you, your body, yourself, your surroundings, your family, your community, um, and not being lost, you know, in that search for the money, because that's where you don't have health and you will never have the health. If you're just constantly longing for, the things in the rat race, you know, that's there like this. I feel like there's, there's a couple sides of reality, you know, uh, I call it societal simulation, um, where you have society has created a literal game and a simulated version of reality where they created money, they create the jobs, they create the demand, they create all this thing, the system. And the system is so large. But if you look at like, you have like a, a maze, right? The maze of realities here before like life. Oh, oh, yes. Then you have the the um the the simulation, the societal simulation maze that fits right on top of that. It's just very, very, very similar. All the same lines are there. So it's like you have very thin choice to go on the the reality side of life where you know the cosmic reality, or do you have to choose to be a, a part of the uh 
<clears throat> the wealth game and 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 you know playing that game. But if you don't do that, you're fucking crazy or you're you're a loser, <clears throat> which is so backwards. It's absolutely backwards. Materialism. Yeah, well, it's, it's even worse in America, of course. It's so where I live. I, I, I wish I was born in Sweden, bro. Like seriously, <laughs> this place fucking sucks. And I think this is a test tube country. I think America was literally created to be a test tube for fucking psychological programming and just creating just just fucks. We're all fucks. <laughs> We're all fucked. Well, God damn it. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. I digress. I think it, I think it, you know not to be like that, but. I think maybe if you, you know, if you if you take like a tree from Sweden somewhere, and it has grown a bit, and you just want to take it to like America, you put it there, you know, it's probably gonna take some time for it to readjust and so. And if you see like the <laughs> the American history is not too too old, you know, it's it's a, like a baby cr- shouting in the <laughs> you know still so. Um, I think that has to do a lot also with like you know this this culture of grabbing you know this uh, type of western I don't know it just seems to become a a very a race of greed you know in one way just to Rockefellers yeah I mean this uh, just with the creation I, you know I would probably do the same you know if you I don't know, man. It's just I can just imagine the times when people started to settle there. I mean, the, the, it's it's just, and they often sent like the criminals and all this to America because nobody wanted to go there. It was horrible during colonization time. Mm-hmm. Horrible, you know. Sweden Sweden also had a colony there, like they call it New Sweden, and they sent like most Finnish people and all this. But they thought the Finns were good at this nature thing, so they would figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, it's it's this uh, Delaware River somewhere there along no the, way. the That's mouth. cool. Yeah. Still there? Still a good community over there? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, old uh, Swedish families still there. Wow. Do you That's know? That's do you know of the? Is there a connection between the Finnish and the Phoenician? Hmm, never thought about it. Uh, this is the problem with writing, you know, especially when you like translate old texts. It's like, I mean, if a, if it's, if a text is written like a thousand year back, you know, the overall thinking and mindset would be rather different in the first place, you know. So it's a, I see this with like the Emerald Tablets of Toph. It's very much, you know, I, I was really into that for a while, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of tr- translated text, you know, the conception of things might mm-hmm. be very different, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, there's a spaceship, you know, they say, but it could be like a boat, a ship, a vessel, you know. How mm-hmm. do you describe a vessel that's going over the seas, you know? It's not a, a, you know, a wagon or something. I don't know. It's just, just something to think about. Uh, yeah. always try to find the original but then the problem is you can't <laughs> read that language <laughs> or even like all the swedish i can't read really because it's they write so different you know mm. with the handwriting and everything i'm like oh bits, you know <laughs> like you <laughs> terrible <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> environmentally just different all the way. Different pens, different writing utensils, different kind of paper, different lighting, different way of thinking, different food. Yeah, and small references. But LOL, you know, we go and fucking... Someone, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, those people must have been so smart. They have been writing the secrets of the universe down here. <laughs> and all in symbolism, too. It's like everything you, you really do. Like this, you know, we were talking earlier about the snake symbolism. It's It's not a literal snake or it's not a it's not a spaceship you know it's a boat that's sim it's symbols so i have a question for y'all real quick do you think that the the sumerian tablets the emerald tablets like only few people are able to like decipher them right well maybe the people what if they got paid to um kind of like leave info out or kind of skew it in a way and leave out certain information by you know um whatever type of like because you know when the tablets are found you, you guys know what i'm saying of course yeah yes, it, yes. It, it sort of happens in real time also with the archaeology i heard i have a i had a friend for a while and she she was studying to become an archaeology uh, you know what what do you call it uh archaeologist uh, yeah mm-hmm and uh, she clearly saw that, you know, they are making a lot of progress inside of the archaeology. But there's like this, you know, they are really like driven people who has all these theories and titles and whatnot. But there's like a conflict between the politicians and this type of university level. So a lot of things are like disrupting the current nar- narrative, mm-hmm. like of history and so inside of the archaeology community, you mm-hmm. know. So, but they can't really... They are not uh, allowed to publish it or make it a public uh, thing of, of it. So definitely, there's this must be on a lot of planes. I think mm-hmm. uh, well, in all fields, you know. Yeah, all with the, academia. With the Sumerian tablets, they say that uh, Zachariah Sitchin kind of made up his own little stories to fit his narrative with his, and he was the first one that deciphered the Sumerian tablets. Since then, other people have deciphered it and said that he interpreted things wrong or some accuse him of interpreting purposely wrong to convey his own message and everything. So, And then you have Zahi Hawass in Egypt who people say have he has found things buried in the ground already and he just doesn't release it into the public because it skews the view of Egypt and he wants the people of Egypt to have, you know, that history. Uh, some people say he even like other people have found stuff and he goes, Oh, oh, let me, let me look, let me look first. And then he'll go, you know, uh, 10 years later, go, Oh, look at what I found and, and kind of take their find from them. Hmm. So there's, I'm sure what, there's a lot of that stuff going dick. on. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff of a lot of stuff like that going on in archaeology where you know they're not letting people come out and talk about their findings because they don't want it to make it public because of whatever it is. I think I saw an article recently that said the Smithsonian admitted to like destroying a bunch of giant bones. Um so I, I that, so and and then that's been a story for a long time that people have saying that the Smithsonian has taken giant bones and been hiding them or destroying them mm-hmm. because they're not on display and everything. So I mean, maybe there's some you know who knows if that article is real or not. But but you see these things over and over again, and, and then certain people 
in in archaeology or even uh, Christian or they have a Christian belief system because they get paid by certain uh, conglomerates to do research for them. And if they don't uh, find the findings that they want them to find, then they don't get paid anymore. Off with their heads. Yeah. So there's this whole like uh, money system that's backed into archaeology. And if they don't come forth with the right answers, then they don't get paid anymore. So they yeah. bring the skewed version of history forward. That's why it's, it's the case of people. Yeah. Like us, like try to actually find real evidence for these things. And that's why I think language is so beautiful because you can find the evidences in these languages and that's the real archaeology because that can't be skewed. That's, you know, that you can't make shit up about that. I mean, it's there. Well, it's, it's also like a, it's a, it's a, uh, the thing with the language there, as I have been seeing in Sweden, there has been some kind of attempt to, to like uh, change it and uh, sort of mess with it. Mm. So, but the, this, this Vasa people who has been ruling Sweden from 1520 something to Napoleonic age, they lost Sweden actually went against Napoleon. <laughs> so, but that uh, led to this Vasa line to be overthrown almost. He had to go. But those kings, I think, repaired a lot within the language of Sweden uh, to become, because they, they are uh, connected to the Bok family or the Bokström. This uh, via some sideline they created two two lines, but anyway, that's what I have been seeing. It's a precious thing because what we have been seeing is that uh, the Catholic Church wanted to divide language. I think it's mostly because of uh, population control. It's for sure they have been destroying languages and dividing people that way, and it's. Uh, that's a beautiful thing with the English language, I think. So we can sit like here today. <laughs> Otherwise, there will be no possibility. So that's a yeah, big I... gift the Englishman <laughs> actually gave us, <laughs> for good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice uh, to, to it's hear that. It's such accents. a tricky. It's 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 such a tricky road with history because you know also the the history are written by the winners and all and you can burn a library down and you know who who knows what really happened but at some point you have to you know you you need to that's the thing with the box saga it really like anchored me to because it's so true with the with the language like you're saying it's something it's something that's there and you can see how the logic and the thinking behind the naming of the places, you know, everything was named mm -hmm. b b for a function. Even the kings had like names or nicknames because of some deed they did or whatever, you know, it's uh, so it's like recorded in history uh, in that way also, because it's like the, the Hellbrennare, Anun Jakob Hellbrennare. Okay. 
and people are like what <laughs> yeah but it means the har- <laughs> the burner of hell mm. <laughs> in a practical sense he was the one that were assisting like the this uh, mercenary army from from Swiss Switzerland I think yeah Schweiz we call it but is it Switzerland in English yeah <laughs> the Swiss banking country but anyway Oh yeah. This is the third Ragnarök. Like the and it happened uh, what can it be? Ten it happened in ten fifty. So this is the time when it or twelve fifty, I'm not really fucking sure. Should have the book here. <laughs> ten because the Christian uh, conversion happened in ten fifty and this uh, this is Swede the sweet no no no. Yeah, after after death. <laughs> FD yeah, 1050, 1050 AD is the Christian uh, manipulation, right? The the burning of hell, 1050. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. It was like a desert. But also in that, uh, you know, this uh, Swedish uh, king line or the original Swedish king line also like suicided. <laughs> so when, when, they, the, mm. when the conversion happened, they couldn't stand, you know, becoming a Christian, so. Yeah, they, they yeah. finished it. Rightfully, rightfully so. I mean, and I also finish. think about that, but finish, you know, finish. Yeah. Now we're finished with the fucking conquest. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, do you think there's a fourth Ragnarok upon us or coming at any point? I don't know. Jim, Jim <laughs> thought that this uh, Corona thing was a mini Ragnarok in one way, because the Ragnarok things also uh, has to do with like change of. Uh, you know, it's a reconstruction yeah, ap- thing also. Apocalypse yeah. means like a renewal. Reset. Or, yeah. yeah a reset. great reset. Mm-hmm. So maybe they want a new system or, you know, who knows what, what's cooked I, up. I think so. <laughs> I think that's what definitely what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about like the Paradis and the Atlantis, what those were and how like how long they lasted for well the 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 Ragnarök of course yeah uh what's what's triggered like the end of the paradise was you know the, the this huge destruction that i talked about but the paradise you know if you go into like the finnish language it should be like all these kind of details into the culture integrated into the finnish language and uh, I only know like a handful of words in Finnish. So <laughs> the root or the Swedish is more the, like what you base, you know, those key like understandings. Like if, if you go into like the alphabet, you ha- have like the first letter is E. You put an E before the A. And A means Aser and B, Bori. And all these letters in the alphabet have, has their own distinct meaning, but they are, of course, related to each, each other. And it also makes like a, a story, but this, uh, that's like the root. And only the other people had the root language because that creates the Finnish uh, language. It's like uh, the head and the body are like say, separate. Mm. Um, you know, the author becomes like the head and the 
and the Warner language or the Finnish language becomes like the, the body, how it performs, you know, if, if you want to look at it that way. So, so it has to do with the, what are the last two letters in the root language? It's this O, A, and E. Those weird, like my name there has the E, I mean, A, Hegster. O, A, and E. But you also have like a hidden sound because what, you, can, what? you can say E in two different ways, like E and E. It's like E. Uh. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the letter U? No. That's the O or the ring with two dots on top. The er. Oh. Uh. Like in earn. Er. You gotta uh. earn money, man. Because the first earn two money. letters are E and A, and EA is the god in Sumeria. So I thought that was interesting that it kind of starts with uh, EA, Inki. Hmm. Yeah, you know to go into the sound system is something yes, long time. you know it's very <laughs> if, if you if you want to have like the the best interpretation of the actual sounds and to think about them eeyore has made like this recording where he goes through everything and i think he also mm -hmm. explains it in english so jim chesner also has a video on youtube where he goes into the uh language system too it's very good. I recommend that people go check that out because you can see the visual of it mm. and how he holds the pole in the middle. And and then like from that, you can make words and they could make geometrical patterns. I was always curious about doing that. Like I would like to put the words in a wheel and put the pole in the middle and see if I can like tie string mm. and make words and, or make patterns and see if there's any like you know, sacred geometry within the spelling of the words. It's a really interesting guy that uh, brought Jim into the box saga, but this Cliff Barber, he, he never really went with the, with the crew. I think, you know, he was a little bit older, but he made all this calculation with the flower of life structure. And he mm. could find the alphabet coming out of it, you know. Ah, see, there it is. And he so has I'm made like there. videos on this. Ah, it, it, it's it's uh, he has not made it. The, this Kevin Wood, this Irish man that I told about who died recently, he have this YouTube channel where he put a lot from, like from the eighties recordings there. So one of them Thank you, Kevin Wood. Barber when he explains his his thing. There. That's great. Yeah. So do you know how long the Paradise Time lasted? Well, Eeyore said it would have been at least hundred million years. A hundred million. It, it should have been longer than the Atlantis period, at least. Like we said. And say. then the Ice Age period, the Atlantis period, that was 50 million years, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And during so, this so time, you know, this author, to pick up where we left there, you know, this author, we're stuck there, you know, in between the glaciers there in Udenma because of the Gulf Stream, it's making like a route up there and eating the, the glacier. But 
thanks to the Gulf Stream, they survived in in hell. And during this time, like the, you know, we were all tropical before, and we were had brown skin and brown eye and all of this, according to the mythology. Mm-hmm. And uh, during this uh, Atlantis period, we developed like white skin and blue eyes and you know green eyes red hair blonde you know all these attributes so the paradise time that that's when the world was in balance right balance when it was north and south and everybody was one tropical people then of the first ragnarok happened and the earth tilted or is that not the first ragnarok the first ragnarok is the tale Okay, and then after that happened, then the Atlantis period happened where the whole north was covered in ice, right? The second Ragnarok is ice. The second Ragnarok is when the ice has been melting off and the glacier starts to move. So the people who has been living there in the Atlantis period, they had to move. So they uh, went to Gotland or Goatland uh, <laughs> and uh, they uh, were staying in the Lummelunda Grotto, which you can go and see today. And they've also found like uh, rune stones that are in the Swedish Museum. And uh, it's actually in like Welcome to Atlantis movie with Jim Chesnar. He goes into the museum there and this. Oh, all this man, kind of flower of life and you know this spiral depictions describing like yeah. this wall hollow procedure and it's a really interesting that's on your channel right and uh, no i i'm talking about just a little bit about it also i was more going after like hey there's something wrong with this viking thing that they are being portrayed you know uh-oh. But uh, you can go check my video the, out there. So how far does the runestone go back from from then? They should if, uh, be around 10,000 years ago. The second... Th- runestones? Yeah, those. But they say on the, on the... If you go into the museum, they have made like a a theory on the dating because... They can't really date it, and uh, they go with this uh, mainstream, you know, accepted view on history, and put a, a number on it uh, according to that information. So, because the mainstream view of the rune stones is like five hundred or six hundred A.D. when the Vikings were around. So, anytime you mention rune stones, people go, "Oh, well, that's only five or six hundred years." So. Uh, and that was the Vikings, and the Vikings are way later than all these other ancient civilizations. So whenever you talk about Bach saga, you just you sound stupid. That's yeah. you know basically what what it comes down to is how they how they talk to people about that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it says like three thousand years on them anyway, so it's quite old. At least. Oh, it does. Yeah, but. Uh, because they have been finding so much, you know. They found a perfectly preserved Viking ship in Norway. Guess what they Whoa. found there in the box? <laughs> they found K2 
cannabis seeds. <laughs> like yeah. a whole I'm telling you but guys, it's a big, I am uh, fucking telling you. It has, <laughs> it has been a, a big tradition here in the north because the, it's perfect place to, to grow it. And they mm. used it for ropes and sails. Mm-hmm. Because you have this twenty-four hour sunlight that won't go into bloom, you know. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it can grow can you, really tall here. Wait, summer. you guys have twenty-four hour sunlight? Yeah. No way. In the summer, yeah. Oh wow! And then you just throw tarps up, right? You like get greenhouses and and do yeah. some. Uh, uh, but it's not legal. It's very like it's very political here in Sweden. But I know oh. up to the, like the nineteen sixties, you could buy marijuana from the store in in finland not, so not and even like f- the elders when they made like decisions it's even, it's even called mary yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> What's the history it's, that? It, it's just interesting that with the <laughs> the finland has ha, have still like a little bit of a culture of smoking so it's uh, not to go too far off topic, but yeah. I, I'm curious what 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 is the current political system like there? Is it is it kind of like seemingly holding on to old Swedish roots, or is it kind of moving towards like a Western type of government political system where it's like just endlessly corrupt? Uh, <laughs> it it uh, I think you know we started to see all. Most of the negative things, man, they're driving tractors here on the countryside all the fucking time. Hmm. <laughs> well, the the thing is that I think things really started to get corrupt and corrupt and uh, really bad on on a personal level during like the sixties or seventies. Before that, you know, Sweden was really going good with mm-hmm. all the industry and all this but uh, you know all this political uh what do you call it uh, democracy mm-hmm. it, it is it's a construction to become corrupt corrupt mm-hmm. i would say you know it's a it's a thing that you know we have there's a funny story we had uh, this uh, gustav also the third and uh during his uh, like time there in Stockholm as a ruler, when he started out, there had uh, there was democracy, but there was two parties like in America, like you have, but we had the hats and the capes, like hatar masso, you know, and it was really easy even for the public to figure out that one of these parties was was controlled by the French, and the other by the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> So we tried that for like 50, 60 years or something. And then this Gustav also the third, he kicked all the fucking politicians out and he just, now I'm king. Let's go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Like it used to be because even the public was with him. Even the, even the common people was with him on that. So it's, uh, I, you know, I'm more of a traditional monarch because I've been seeing what Sweden was built from nothing almost, you know, uh, in two or three hundred years with a, with a kingdom. And uh, it seems to be having worked out really good for the Swedish people. It grew into a great power also. So in, in wow. just 150 years. Yeah, so. yeah, that's good. 
That's really good. Yeah, it seems like it ties in that that sixties era um, after World War Two, and um, you know, like the one world government kind of was really getting set and deploy. Um, you have a lot of countries kind of coming into democracy in that era. Um, and to me, it seems like, and, it's, and we're going off topic here, and I do apologize. Um, but, uh, you know, it seems like the push for democracy is the push for one world government. And mm. that push seemed to have come after World War II. And I, I have reason to believe that it was created in World War II um, and pitched almost like a business plan to all the world leaders. Uh, so like to basically take on democracy and, oh, hey, wait for it, guys. You know, in a hundred years from now, uh, your families will still be in power, still be in play. We just got to go on with this uh, this agenda that we got going on. And so I feel like it was like a big business pitch to all of the, the country leaders and everybody that was running it, you know, and whoever signed on and whoever didn't is going to get fucked over. You know what I mean? Get blackmailed, get, uh, get exploited. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. I mean, it's just overwhelming evidence of all of that. And yeah. And uh, in the light of it all, you know, it's so much that they are trying to cover. You know, Sweden is about to not explode, but, you know, there's so much political chaos here because wow. people are really against this. You know, he was taken out. This uh, polit- uh, this guy we have now, like uh, you say, like prime minister. What do you call it? President almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was taken out. You know, they voted out him. And then we had no government for a couple of weeks. And then he came back. And people were like, <laughs> what happened? You know, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a fucking soap opera, you know. it's a, Right. And also this thing, uh, you probably have never heard about this, but uh, there was a, you know, in the collapse of the Soviet Union, that was 91 when I was wo- born in 1991. But Same. three years, oh, nice. Three years later, this commercial ship you know like this big huge uh, cruiser you know people used to go from sweden to vasa or sweden to finland you know and like just to get drunk and just have a good time you know and you know people have a lot of relatives so th- those boats are really like huge like yeah but uh, one of uh, one of those ship called is called estonia it was sunk and uh, oh. The explanation, you know, all people died. It was so cold oh, in the water. On, only a couple of survivors. And uh, I heard from my, like, stepfather. Titanic. Yeah, almost like it. You know, it's... Uh... But anyway, m- one of my... Uh, one my stepfather's mother, she was working in, like, the... In the cop in Stockholm, you know, as a high-end secretary to, like, on the on the chief. Of, uh, of the police force there. And she told me like that most of the, like the police force, like in the management or in the, the, you know, the central command was killed on this boat also. And, uh, they, they are, they are people, uh, active, like really active because this is so fussy. They say like this, it's a big conspiracy. I, I, I tell you that there's a lot of details to this, but, now all this is coming up too. The Estonian government, you know, they want to do some kind of research there. And they did. You know, they they have been assisting some kind of, because they want to find out what happened. And now they are finding like 
holes in the you know like uh, some explosions has destroyed like the parts of the boat and you know it has there's some some weird things going on with this wow but they are talking about so much other things connected to this boat they wanted to sink like it's like something they that they are shipping out of of russia or something it's fucking weird story you know because it has connections with the fall of this uh, soviet empire also Mm, uh, there's a there's a lawyer that has the, done this. He's representing all the the people were related to this who died, you know. And he tries to stand up for them. So they, he may also made a film that are like really bad. Uh, it has bad ratings, but I I saw it and uh, all the like conspiracy ideas are like into this movie. It's like a really B movie, but. I think it was uh, pretty good anyway. If you want to see like this the, uh, on, on television with popcorn, you know, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's called the Baltic Storm, by the way. Oh, Baltic Storm! Yeah, it's uh, but all this is uh, boiling up to the surface. The Estonian government has been there, and now there was uh, news that uh, there has been some entity, uh, you know, cutting power lines, uh, disrupting signals. So they have like this on lockdown. They, they even want to put concrete on top of the boat, the Swedes. I mean, <laughs> uh, this is like where the debate is going in Sweden. And it's also about this political chaos. And uh, the Muslim Brotherhood basically says that uh, if the Sweden Democrats getting elected, we're going to have an all-out civil war. And... <laughs> Those Swedish Democrats are those who want, you know, they call it the Trump party of Sweden, you know, who wants oh, to wow. shut borders and all of this. Mm. And uh, it in the polls, it had like 30% of the votes. And we have to remember, this is a other kind of election system that you are using. We have diff- many different kind of parties that are competing, but we call them blocks, like block politics. We have like uh, a lot of parties in one column, and they it's can a block uh, party. Yeah, they need to negotiate, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> and some can swap sides even inside of the party and jump shares. You know, it's fucking chaos. Man, mm. I, I I don't bother following it all. I'm just interested in like this Estonia thing. I, I'm interested. It, it, interesting how different our societies are, yet how so similar yeah they are also it's like all all the same things all the same things are happening like the power lines here pg and e like got in trouble for for starting fires from the power because the power lines exploded or or that's what the narrative is the the smart meters yeah smart meter surged yeah (laughs) it's so so there's the connections there pretty interesting also it's fucked Uh, up here man it's fucked uh, up I know Roman has to go pretty soon. So, Roman, do you have any more uh, questions? I do. Uh, yes, yes. Also, it's been great. Um, I hope that uh, we could do this again. I love listening to your accent. Like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I love, like, any, usually, like, most non-American accents. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, God, yes, something different, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm stumbling um, over words. <laughs> no, you're doing so good. On You're doing really, really well. <laughs> 
And it's, it's been a pleasure. So I know you guys are going to have a good talk after that. But no, that, that, I mean, I guess actually that was kind of it. I, I was curious. I'm always curious about what other countries have going on politically from hearing that from the source itself as opposed to. But mm. um, okay, let's go spiritual with it. Do you, do you um, guys have any like type of uh, mystical beliefs over there, like forest spirits or you know, elvish, elves, fairies, anything like that going on over there in Sweden? Well, on a, on a part, I can tell you what I think. Yes. You know, I've been uh, like, when I was a little bit younger, I was meditating a lot and it, it for sure helped me. But in one way, this kind of meditation, if it goes too far, you know, it uh, can sort of lose grip with reality. Mm-hmm, and I think it's, it, I think it's like a, you know, you the best, the most spiritual thing I can do is like being out in the in the world. You know, in the forests and those untouched places is what I seek here in Sweden. We have a lot of it actually still. So this in-dust tree hasn't really reached <laughs> all the forests here. <laughs> can you see you're making dust of the fucking trees with this industry in this? <laughs> and it's just. But of course, this meditation uh, led me to certain paths, but I think it's also a spiritual thing with the music and acoustic instruments also. It's um, acoustic, especially. It's just, it's just, uh, but in the mythos, the mythology, this uh, spirit, this word spirit in Swedish called ande and uh, to breathe is andas, you know, so it has something to do with the breath and and uh, inside of that so it's uh it's not so so uh, so supernatural but also the heathen people they lived according to powers and it's cosmological powers i would say uh, pretty much with the wooden and you have the represented uh, you know people were representing those forces in one way with the different functions but you can save this <laughs> it would but uh, I would say my spirituality, I don't know. I I live pretty much in the 15, 1600s in my head. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm more about, I don't know. I guess I, I get so much spiritual exercise, uh, I think, just by, you know, enjoying things that, mu- like music and listen to podcasts is also like, I just love laying here on this couch. I was listening to your last show there with this, oh, with this guy. Uh, what's Tommy Chong? Yeah, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this was such a, such a good. I, I almost listened to <laughs> the entire show there. It just, it's a long one. <laughs> it's a nice one. I mean, and he, uh, you know, <laughs> isn't he in like in the seventies show also? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> I love the show. Like, oh, so man. Hey, man. <laughs> you got any more of those uh, doomies, man? Hey, uh, I would also like to, because I'm super into plant medicine uh, and would love to get you on again to talk about plant medicine and different plants from your your region and, and pick your brain on stuff like that, too. That would be cool. Well, I've been working with plants like 10 years, also like uh, on a business not in the work life, you know, but I had this special job where I took care of tropical plants and that made me quite interested in like 
having my own plants. And also mm-hmm. with this kind of, you know, my grandparents, they, my grandmother on my father's side, she has this like awesome garden. You can, you know, there's so much to eat and, you know, she made me really interested in all this kind of, you know, she taught me so much about like nature, you know, with different plants and I don't know, but I have like developed my own interest and it surrounds uh, this tea and I make a lot of different tea and that, that mm. I, I I used to grow also, but this summer I actually just went out and get uh, just get my get it all by myself you know because it's if you take it from like plants that produce berries that you already know you can eat you know it shouldn't be that dangerous and it has to be a love <laughs> this very thick you know if you hold the leaf to the sun it should be like really penetrating mm-hmm, because we mm-hmm. have those two words for for leaf we have the blood which is the more thick you know that the often has like this like the like the rubber tree has this white uh, thing that they make rubber from the latex uh yeah and it's also inside of the leaf it will like bleed if you take a leaf those are no no for tea those kind of plants but those really thin like in the birch tree we have here it's uh it should be really good to make tea from we also take the sap out of the, the trees and mm-hmm. just drink it like that it's a it's basically the same thing i would say not really I, though I, because it has to but okay i won't go into detail but it's a just there's so much to discover just around you you know you don't need to. yeah absolutely tree sap i mean is beneficial it has I mean, it's generally most tree saps, especially conifers, and birch sap is 100% basically like a, mm-hmm. it's like a sedative almost. Um, but yeah, a lot of tree saps have healthy sugars, so you can use that in a survival situation. It's got uh, different types of uh, vitamins. You know, it's got A and C, and it's got just, and it tastes kind of sweet, so you can mm-hmm. like sweeten up uh, foods with it too. And Man, yeah, trees are something special. I mean, the fact that our body has the receptors to basically digest these different plants and make chemicals go off and allow our body to balance itself better. The more plants we eat, if you ate just a strictly a meat diet, you're you're missing out on so many different receptors in your body, your gland health, and that balance to because it's seemingly so that we are a hundred percent of everything outside of ourselves as much as we are inside of ourselves. So we need to get the outside inside, you know, we need to get the plants inside so our body can light up in these different areas and, you know, have these different mm. things to keep us going so we can continue to caretake the land. And that's kind of my take on it and why I'm, I'm pushing people to, um, to do the same, to just, to just eat more plants, be with plants and understand that, that they're where it's a symbiotic relationship, a hundred percent. But it's also this, uh, they talk about this mahala and it's a, it's a phenomenon that, uh, getting stored inside of the leaf. It's sort of a belief also <laughs> because oh. it, because the trees also have an importance in the, uh, in the death uh, ceremony there. When someone die, you, uh, burn them and you take the ash 
and you put it in the roots of the family tree. You know, we had like family trees. Oh, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah. I like that. And and it's a process, you know, it's a it's a really one belief, but they did it. So they think that this centrifugal force, you know, is spinning around the gateway to Valhalla. So inside of the ash is the soul, but the breath is the spirit. So the breath for the spirit should be something more it passes by itself, perhaps. Mm. And the soul needs to it's uh, needs to be nourished. Yeah. So it, the soul is in the in this ash. But anyway, wow. that's their that's belief. Beautiful. And uh, this process of uh, the trees, you know, taking in and releasing, and at that our like soul will would go with the. That's when our soul becomes a bird, like in the in symbolical terms, you could say. And uh, the the flight back to. The North Pole, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, Jim even like speculated that the Northern Lights could have something to do with that Whoa. process. Mm. So I don't know. It's just uh, because also this soul is connected to the sun, and that's really the essence of the box saga. I would say the sun and sun. It's not like worship, but it's like understanding of the sun and what it does because. This tea is very important. It's like capturing the sun power inside of water. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like the first in the <laughs> chain, you know, of reactions. If you eat yeah. like only meat, it's so yeah. far off from the actual source, which should, mm. with logic thinking, you know, be, be the sun. <laughs> yes, I agree. There's um, a book by Andrew Collins called the Cygnus key. And in that book, he talks about how the birds carry the soul back to the hellhole, basically to the <laughs> North. He doesn't use the word hellhole. He doesn't really talk anything about box saga, but he talks about how all these pyramids and stuff are situated to the North and to the North star and their alignments are pointing towards the North. And even the birds that they found, at uh, Gobleki Tepe, there's like three. Uh, there's a bird head there. There's the, they're even on the uh, Maori uh, heads and everything. On the backside of them, it shows these birds. And what he describes is that these birds are are taking the soul away. So what you just said there actually uh, connects right into all his research, and he has no idea even about <laughs> box saga. Oh, that's hilarious. You know. <laughs> that's that's the, always the case. Yeah. Well, not yeah. always, but you would be surprised who who knows about it actually. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Indigenous Native American also they heavily were spiritual believe that birds were spiritual creatures because they're the only thing that can you know go from the ground, the land, up to the sky, which is you know seemingly separating us from the heavens. So when you find like bird feathers on the ground. And you come across feathers in your life that the synchronicity of that is that you're on your righteous path. Wow. Um, because you're, you're finding the feathers and that the birds are dropping it saying like, you know, transporting to the, the heavens there. It's, it's all connected. It's so beautiful. Uh, on that note, my friends, I'm going to go. It was uh, nice to meet you, man. You too, sir. Um, <laughs> I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and, uh, and that we get to talk again soon. Yeah. Take care, man. See ya. Have a good one, Roman.
I guess my last question is I just wanted to talk more about Atlantis or Atlantis. And uh, when I was talking to you the other day, you said that there is like a, a Noah type story that comes out of there. And I wanted to kind of uh, okay. pick your brain about that, that Noah story or and how that works and how it's different from, you know, the biblical version. I was going to go to it, but you know, when you, it's like we talk about something that is coming mm-hmm. from the box saga and we go into some detail and that spins just further and it leads us to completely yeah. other places. And that's the beauty okay. with it. It's, yeah, yeah. But it's it's beautiful, but this is like a, a little drawback also with the box saga for, because it's so huge. But mm-hmm. I just want to clarify that, you know, it's a, uh, I love talking about it like this, uh, but uh, I feel that I also need to like talk about my own findings and understanding of it because otherwise, you know, there's so much material on the box saga and to get really deep into the box saga, you can find like on YouTube uh, a lot of material by now and also on the Unslaved podcast and I done on Inverse there a little bit also. So, but uh this uh, this Noah story, it has to do with the second Ragnarök when the ice started to shift, you know, when they started to move. And you can see this in Sweden. I think you can also see it, you know, I think there has been glaciers up there, like in Canada also, perhaps. Could be some traces of it. You can see it on the surface of the, of the hell, so we call it, like the bedrock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like scraped clean i've been laying out on you know we have an archipelago outside where i live and uh, you can see how the rocks has been polished from the from the north going south and uh, it's really nice to like just lay down on them but they had to move to the scotland and this is called like the the boat of noah and uh, in this boat, they brought the creations that, or the, yeah, you could say creations, but uh, the things that had been developed during this Atlantis period, like trapped in ice for 50 million years, keeping the population really slow, but tending, you know, the, the seeds, so to speak, they still were using the same customs that they did in the in the parada- paradise time but uh, eller paradiset we say ett yeah paradise mm. ett but anyway this uh, they developed this kind of tree that is uh, called tall because it grow tall <laughs> and we have the gran which uh, grows on the granite or gran- granite its name is gran but it's the pine tree and it can oh. grow it can grow on solid bedrock that's why you know this is one question we debated a lot me and Jim you know with this they must have been having some kind of uh, tropical plants in the fall of course and uh, as i've been working with with plants i noticed that the palm tree is quite resilient to cold weather actually like you know, mm-hmm. they survive quite cold temperatures. But anyway, this uh, the the tall. I don't really know this 
English word for it, but it's very similar to the pine tree, but it's really long. Like it's it's good to like uh, you know logs from like they are so so mm-hmm. straight. They grow very straight, but uh, they also during this uh, cold period they needed to construct like houses uh, that are having this kind of fire inside and you know this whole protecting things from the cold you know with the different storage units and this this agriculture also was developed also the this sort of the science of agriculture because uh, they needed to do so to survive the, the winters and you can so, see can- that the agriculture is like being spread around 10,000 years ago also when the story is said to happen yeah can I stop you right there for a second? And you said that they would have the fire inside like their home and and in the language like pyramid means fire in the middle, fire basically fire inside. And so now you're talking about storage of seeds and stuff. So so that kind of could relate to the pyramids maybe being seed storage. I've heard some other Well, they, talk it's different. About that possibility it's it's, it's different structures uh, i can't see them okay. really having a fireplace where they it's called a it's called a, like a barn but uh, it i need to think about it you know these are words we don't use very often okay it's, it's this kind of you know you can put all the wheat upside and the, uh-huh. the seeds will like drop down uh, yeah so it was it's it's a it's a structure that are made for agriculture activities that you otherwise ah. wouldn't, wouldn't need and the bastu you know the sauna it's also uh they wanted to i i think they wanted to like <laughs> mimic the paradise uh, warmth and uh, you know in the sauna this is a finished oh. thing yes so it's a uh, but it was also like a socializing thing. But another profound thing is that this uh, domestication of animals was also developed. They they made the pig out of the goat, for example, because they didn't want to eat the goat because of its sacredity. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the king of the pagan world, you know, or the the bok, for example. So this symbology around the, around the, the goat is really like sacred, you could say. For instance, this uh, statue that uh, that are uh, there's a statue up in Kayani Castle. It should be in the well there, and it's a solid gold. Maybe not solid, but it's a huge like goat statue that belonged to the Bok family. So this uh, this uh, demonization of goats and this question of goats, you know, uh, this is something that I picked up since. I started to learn about this like five or I think it's six, seven years now almost. But it's this, uh, you know, they, <laughs> you used to say like he, he's, he had a joke like this. Uh, the mammoth died out because it uh, couldn't fit on the, on the Noah's Ark <laughs> because they, in this story, it wasn't too big of a boat. Mm. They were, I think they were like seven girls and seven boys maybe more people but those were from the like the buck line because in the uh, Atlantis period they had 
to cut it from being 12 boys to seven girls, you know, that was the original system. Mm-hmm. So the firstborn became the king and the last born became the bok representing the goat. And he, when he was old, became Vainamoinen, this, uh, or Ukko, you could say, Ukko he becomes, like this old grandfather title, the Saint, Saint, Saint Niklas, or the, this famous character in red and white appearing on Christmas, you know. <laughs> that's, that's like mm-hmm. the highest title, or he has the last say. But, uh, yeah, domestic animals like this uh, chicken, pig, cat dog you know this was like the original i think they made a huge thing about it there in egypt also with this it's a very explicit animal this cat at least and the dog also you know it's a but this is supposed to be like atlantis creations and a bunch Mm. of other things for sure i would you know it is a lot of words that are coming out you know it's it's sometimes hard to tell but they stayed pretty original uh, and of course uh, it's very hard to you know put into the mindset but it's a it's a very logical story you know if you go into the box saga and go deep into it uh, you're gonna be stumbling over this kind of in the myth of they say one thing and you can sort of trying to back that and that's what it's a lifelong study you know but this is what they are saying in the mythos and uh, i think they even went into like in the smallest detail you know this is something that needs to be rolled and i think and i know there are a lot of like material coming out from inside of like the the little community that are left within the you know book saga the people who know Eeyore, the story behind Eeyore is quite incredible. And, uh, you know, I feel that there are so great story- storytellers that can go really into the saga and uh, by, like, in respect and honor for the saga, you know, I don't really want to go too much into the mythology. Maybe when I become older, I can do something that Jim did. But uh, I'm I'm more of the, I like to research it and I, I know a lot about it and, you know, I'm surrounded by it, but, and we can talk like this, you know, I can talk about different aspects of the saga, but I won't go in too much in this fine details if I'm not like 100% sure on everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, that's the day in which we're recording, you know, also, but I hope I can <laughs> spark some kind of interest at least because it's really interesting. And it's hard for me, for like a Swede, to really, you know, I can juggle around with Swedish words and you won't get a yak shit perhaps, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> how to approach this story because it's filled with taboo also. You know, that's the thing that people like. They mm. interpretate certain things or aspects in the saga very quickly when they don't have surrounding understandings that are crucial to the entire understanding to even you know you, you that, that's the problem with the saga it's like you have to study it for a long time before you can make like these real connections that uh, 
so you get the understanding, the, the, the real understanding for things. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, with this ice time thing, it's no doubt that there has been huge forces of ice. You know, it what what should it else be like? We have the the Earth is still like go rising. We call it Landhöjningar because of the pressure against the bedrock. And you can see the carvings, you know, how it has been scraped. All of this is like, it's very true. This, this happened. So, so, so much I know, Atlantis period has been for real. It's only like the question about, you know, they even found this cave there in, in Finland that is called, uh, Var, what's it called? This, this, uh, it's a cave, you know, the, the, arche- the archaeologists there, they couldn't really believe what they found there because they dated it like between 150 and 500,000 years old or something like that. Wolf Cave, it's called. Wolf Cave. You know, the artifacts there. There was like tools. Human, humans have been there mm-hmm. from, you know, 150, 400,000 years ago. And it's this, uh, I think they want to call them like Neanderthalare, like in Neanderthals. And mm-hmm. just, just look at that, uh, that name, you know, Ande is the spirit. And Ne, also like Neanderthalare. Talare is to speak, you know, talare, like speaker. <laughs> so knowledge about spirit speaker. It's like some kind of. It's an interesting, they just disappeared, this, this Neanderthaler. But there are people up here with high, you know, DNA connected to the Neanderthaler. And I think this could be some kind of, you know, the Atlantis people, I think. this Because now, mm. they were diff- you know, we had like, we lived a more tribal society before where people didn't move and mix and, you know... The homogeneity, or what you call it, was pretty clear in the kingdoms. All, you know, even here in Sweden up to the 1960s, we had no others but Swedes. Perhaps like Dutch people a little bit, but they, you know, mostly just the same people for generation after generation. Now we have so much immigration, people coming and going from everywhere, you know, and this kind of a mixing wasn't a thing really before as i understand it so is the idea of what we believe atlantis to be this high society with like you know seafarers and like this kind of world type of empire is that is that true to the saga or is is like what's described in the saga different than that idea well (laughs) I would see them as very high in their sense. They high in understanding. They came from like the highest family before the paradise time. So it, they would have been very different compared to the tropical, you know, the other 10 races, as they say mm-hmm. in this, those 10 kingdoms in the, in the South who become tropical races, as they say. They say that the the white the white man is a Arctic race, like the you know like like certain animals that won't won't survive like in the 
if you take if you take a like a giraffe or what you call a giraffe, <laughs> no, any any kind of a tropical animal and put them here, he will he will die, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, those those animals who manage to survive here, you could call them article. It's a new phenomenon if you look at world history, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the planet is really old. Uh, Fifty million is nothing. Yeah. Well, in the major span, but of course, it's it's a long time. But in the in the Atlantis mythology that comes from like Plato and stuff, they say that there was ten kings that survived Atlantis and kind of spread out over the over the world, and the Egyptians being one of the civilizations that came out of that. Does that connect in any way to the saga? Is there, uh, you mentioned the Ten Kings part, but is, is there a connection to Egypt also? And, and, um, yeah, let's talk about Egypt and the pharaohs. It's those pharaohs who came because there was problem down there. And, uh, they, uh, it was one, some kind of ego trip, like this Krishna mm. story that are also in. We can talk about Krishna the other time, but this Krishna was really like the the first the root to the Christian world. This uh, because he it was a guy from you know he was from Finland. This Krishna and he killed the pagan system down in India. Mm-hmm. He killed this uh, Ross. No, it's called or oh, it's also a famous name there in india in the hindu hinduism but he's like the bad guy this original king that uh, was Raj, raja no that's like more Maha- of the mahara raja no it's a ha- oh wait i have it it's the kids oh. vishnu no <laughs> this is irritating <laughs> i really want to say his name so people can look this up if they are interested Oh, Krishna killing someone. He has this name. I think it's it's a name that should have been like uh, inherited. So all the kings had the same title name. So it should be. Oh, anyway. Mm. If I come up with it, I will say it. But this is so weird. It's these things, and suddenly it's just coming up. <laughs> but anyway, there's also this saying that with the with this uh, Ark of Noah, uh, they were sending out like uh, high, you know, they were sending out people to establish contact with the mm. with those uh, those ten kingdoms. But it uh, they wanted to like reestablish some kind of offering system, and uh, they also brought the gift of this agriculture, but they didn't really want to give the domesticated animals because this meat eating was also a thing that came into being with the Atlantis period. They needed to, you know, it was unheard of before, as it say in the mythology, that we didn't eat meat and all of this. It was mostly like fruit and tea and, you know, I'm not really sure. They had different kind of techniques. We still have this kind of, when we... Take the brown water of the well, for example. It contains a lot of minerals and that with tea and fruit, you know, 
should try the diet it's it's not too fucking bad man <laughs> i mean there's <laughs> there's so much differentials in the tropical world with all the kind of fruits and i love it man but uh they didn't want to bring this domesticated but this krishna he came with this cow from the north you know mm. and, and and thus this <laughs> cow becomes sacred also in india it's a uh, the first yeah. domesticated animal that was brought out from Udenma or hell in the story. So, but uh, that's way later. That's, uh, you know, Krishna, this is like 5,000 years old around that. Mm -hmm. But these uh, ambassadors must have been like 10,000 years ago when they came out. And uh, it's amazing that the runestones have survived that they left in, on Gotland. They contain the story of hell and what happened there and how they, you know, a lot of their symbology is there also. So if you have, I recommend people to go to Stockholm if they have time. And people <laughs> could actually contact me because I could be like a guide almost because it's, uh, mm. the, the city is built on like, it's a, the thing is that Uppsala was the capital and uh, 1250, the capital of Sweden was moved from Uppsala to, to Stockholm because it was going to become like this, uh, this new center or it's a Christian based. It's based on the Christian system, but inside of the names of the streets and all of this, they encode and like hidden things. You know, this is when the, you know, this is the Templars, this Knights Templars order was coming around and uh, I have been tracing them back to, you know, they have uh, lodges here that are from the 1080, you know. They have been having activities underneath the nose of the Christian society. They needed to keep it a secret. Mm. So all those Vasa kings and all these people were also like Templars. But this is like my current study. study. That's why I'm reading this book by Eurelina about the... Because it's a lot about the French Revolution also. It's like the same mm -hmm. forces. But I think it, uh, this is a big, big study in itself. And I think it's really interesting to see how Sweden has been, uh, the entire north, you know, has been some kind of Templar stronghold. And uh, in the architecture in Stockholm, these uh, this guys have, as a preserve really good like symbology around the pagan world and stories are enco enco uh, like encoded into statues and it's a really interesting i think it's such a beautiful city especially the old town there you know it's uh, something else it's part mm -hmm. of the american history also you know it's uh, all this european history is so tied to american history so we're like Really yeah. the same people, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, from the English and French lines connect into the American lines um, of the people that are here, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but also in the saga, you know, they say that <laughs> that there was one original race and people looked like all the very similar, you know, and then we got divided due to this nature phenomena with the first Ragnarök, you know, going through all the second Ragnarök also. 
and now we're like <laughs> living in modern times uh, it's a it's a interesting time to be alive for sure but i don't know man it's a, it's weird <laughs> weird to i'm a very yeah, traditional man. man you know i i'm i don't know it's just uh, someone has to be knowing about history and all of this also <laughs> you mm-hmm. know but all right uh, man well that's beautiful fantastic stuff right there um, there's so much to uh, talk about you know i know they're really we could probably go for another five hours but we we've hit our two hour mark so sadly i'm gonna round it out here so basically what i just want to say is that the saga has very many interesting connections to other religions and and origin stories and everything else and i i think people should give it the time and go check out some of the videos on youtube with jim chesner uh just type in box saga also or listen to some podcasts um other ones about the box saga uh you said earlier you were on innerverse and also the way of the truth warrior with david whitehead and unslaved which is uh so more of like a website where you have to pay a subscription fee to join, but you you have like probably about six or so hours or maybe even more than that on Unslaved. Just give it some time and actually research this and look into it and maybe find connections to it that you have even in uh, as a person, you know. Uh, I, I think it's very fascinating that, you know, you have a Swedish perspective and we have American perspective, but there, there's so many other different um, contexts that you could come from or, or places that you could come from where this could also have some meaning to you or, uh, you know, and, and you could pull out maybe even different things or if you have a different knowledge of a different language Maybe even like if, if you know French or, you know, Akkadian or Sumerian or maybe there's even other things that you can pull off from it that we can't. So I, I think everybody should give it, you know, some time and mm. um, go I check totally it out because it's very interesting, um, the connections that you can make from it. Me and myself, I have made several different connections that, you know, made me really want to get into it more because I, I found connections that i was like whoa that's crazy that explains this in such a different way than for when i know it before and and history is a lot older than we know and you know everybody wants to give credit to like aliens or some other unseen force and this kind of helps you know uh ground uh that idea like you know it we as humans have been around for millions of years and even people like Graham Hancock and uh, uh, Andrew Collins and other people are starting to kind of talk about that and really figure that out and do the archaeological research that needs to be done to find those things. So there is, you know, more to human history than what we are taught and what we believe. And I find the box saga very fascinating because it kind of goes into that more ancient root history and uh you can see where everything kind of comes from when you when you start looking at it that yeah, i mean you just gotta follow the truth wherever wherever it leads man it's just uh yeah i mean it's almost like you have this kind of 
you know, at first you're fucking upset because you see all the problems in the world and, you know, mm. I, that's where I started, you know. But you want to maybe understand mechanisms of it all and, you know, the truth. If you have, <laughs> if you come like to this and listening to this, it's, uh, I would think you are uh, like a seeker or, you know, this kind of attitude. It's almost like this blue flame of anger, you know, it, at least it has been for me. You want to try to do something about something, you know, and I think we are here to contribute and give our perspective. You know, it's a, it's always a process with the box saga, I think, though, because it evolves, especially when you when it affects your life, you know, with like the tea and, mm -hmm. you know, it's weird. It's, it's just uh, li a little bit otherwise because I'm surrounded by the, by this, <laughs> by this, uh, language and, and all the places, man. It's just, uh, it was the, it's suited for me. That's that, that I can say, because it's the story of like my people also, or like the Swedes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I encourage people to, to, you know check out their country's history or whatever you can are surrounded you know it, i think it's important i think it's i think it is but that's me so that's that's why and it's just so strange that it it's like in my back door I, you know that's it that's it but i had this hinge of there's something that is not being told and we are so mm -hmm. bombarded you know it's like a, a guilt almost being a white guy, especially a white male. You know, it's a yeah. That's a topic by itself. But he, I'm an Aquarius, you know, an early. I'm a very rebellious guy, so <laughs> I couldn't expect <laughs> anything else. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Playing metal, you know, and all uh, this. Uh, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can relate to that, man. I'm a rebellious person too. I don't I don't like uh, to be told what to do, or any anything like that. You know, I like to try to find my own path and carve out my niche and just uh, dive into history and figure things out. And uh, you know, it, it, so it's also fascinating to me. And, and you know, <laughs> it's like I used to say about my guitar for example it's like the it's the modern battle axe it looks like it <laughs> you know, yeah i've, I've you seen it on I've the seen, back yeah i've seen people play guitars that look like axes they even call it an axe in Sim america yeah, but they do. it's a symbolic term it really is the yeah. weapon of our time you know with the music and the influence that the artists have and yeah it's, uh, I'd really like to have a conversation to with you too. Maybe when we do the plant one next time with Roman, we can go into like vibration and music and sound also along with like the plant uh, because that the vibration and sound kind of connects into the plant kingdom too. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm not too sharp on that, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see, see his take. He seems to be a passionate a uh, guy when it comes to uh, when it comes to plants and so yeah he he loves plants yeah yeah he's, uh, same he's here a, he's a farmer so no so, that's yeah, great he's, yeah he's into it that's great uh, all right well thank you Yake, for joining us today 
I appreciate it. And uh, my I honor. Look forward, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you found this interesting. Um, We're so. all over the place, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least we. Uh, at I least know. You, you you know you got to be honest, right? That's the at the least thing I can expect. Well, I I think like the, you know the little side threads are sometimes the most interesting parts because you know from the main story you can see a lot, but also when you go off on the side threads and the tangents, you see all these other connections that can be made and. Once you can see all these other connections, even from little side things, then you start to go, well, maybe there's some actual uh, depth to it more so than just what's on the surface. And that's why I tell people you have to get in depth with it, you know, not just look at it from a surface view. It's the root language. It's the root source. So you have to get underground to see the roots. Yeah, fucking on the You have to dig a little. You have to dig a little. It's not just you're not just gonna see it um, browsing over it. So uh, yeah, not a quick fix. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so thanks again, and uh, stick around for a bit after I hit stop.
Yes. Yeah.